The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Again, I spoke with Member Durahal. He is on his way here from a um, um, personal situation he had to deal with. No notice, sir. Council Member Johnson. Present. Mr. Chair. You do have a quorum. Thank you. We have a quorum, which means we're now in session. Um, Member Johnson, good morning. Welcome back. Uh, is there a motion to approve the minutes? Motion. There's a motion to approve the minutes from the last Planning and Economic Development Standing Committee. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. I uh, just want to let everyone know we do have two public hearings today. Uh, one was scheduled for 1015. The other scheduled for 1025. Uh, but we will go right into general public comment now uh, to give those who have been waiting an opportunity to speak to this body. If there's anyone from the community uh, who would like to speak, please raise your hand. This is general public comment. Anyone from the public who would like to speak, please raise your hand now. General public comment. Going once, going twice, going three times. Collection of public comments have now closed. Good morning, Mr. Singletary. How are you today? Good morning, Mr. Chair. I'm well, and yourself? Good, good. This, this morning we have two public commenters in person and five hands raised via Zoom before public comment was cut off. All right, we have a total of, what's that, was it two and five, seven? Seven uh, public comments. And we'll start with the folks in the room here. We'll give everyone two minutes for general public comment. We'll wait until the clock is on the screen. Before we begin, all right. Good morning, sir. The floor is yours. You have two minutes. Thank you. My name is Gene Abercrombie. I'm an attorney with Eastman and Smith in Toledo, Ohio, and I'm here representing Omnisource LLC, a subsidiary of Steel Dynamics uh, Corporation. Uh, my client acquired 14 acres of the uh, former Davidson Conrail Yard at Davidson and Mound, and is intending to construct a metals, uh, excuse me, industrial metals byproducts processing and intermodal loading facility, and uh, the um, Ordinance being considered uh, will have a detrimental effect on the project because of the broad scope of the definition of uh, junkyard and recycling center. We had previously submitted uh, on November 4th through Keontae Humphreys uh, some proposed modifications to the ordinance uh, with respect to the definitions that would uh, permit the project. Um, that is essentially uh, what we are looking at. I can read into the record uh, if the chair would like the comments. Otherwise, they were submitted, like I said, to Keontae back on November 4th. And um, again, it is just our position that the, the definitions in the proposed ordinance are very broad and have a wide sweep and will prohibit many, uh, many types of operations that are not typically what would be considered junkyards and recycling centers. Are there any questions? Uh, during public comment, we don't do go back and forth to give you an opportunity to speak. 
are you, you complete? That is, yes. So just for the record, uh, Keontae Humphreys is my chief of staff. We did receive it and pass the information on to those who are uh, sponsoring the ordinance uh, and any of the individuals who have amendments. So uh, just wanted to make that clear for the record. Understand. All right, thank you. Thank you, sir. All right, who's our next speaker? Next speaker we have in person, Mr. Jim Schollenberger. Did I pronounce that correctly? Okay, and, uh, Mr. Schobler would like to defer. Now we have five hands via public comment on Zoom. First hand is Mr. Cunningham. Mr. Cunningham, good morning. Happy New Year. Thank you for joining us. The floor is yours, sir. Happy New Year. Thanks for the two minutes to speak and letting public comment be first. I really appreciate that, sir. Um, if anyone under the sound of my voice would like any flyers from Detroit Department of Transportation, flyers about the input meeting, please call me 313-444-9114, 313-444-9114, and I can give you 15, 20 flyers, and you can disseminate them. Uh, the DDOT meeting is coming up uh, uh, in about a week or so. Also, January 13th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. at Southfield Municipal Campus, 26,000 Evergreen, there's going to be a food drive in honor of MLK. If anybody else has any information about any food drives or things of that nature, as you've done before, hit me up at 313-444-9114 with a text message um, or a call, uh, and I can disseminate the information uh, through Facebook and a public comment. On Facebook, Forced Subservience Cunningham. On Facebook, Forced Subservience Cunningham. On Facebook, Forced Subservience Cunningham. It's anonymous to look at things on there. Also, it's also anonymous when you call and listen to the message at 313-444-9114. Again, 313-444-9114. Again, 313-444-9114. I have been out and about in the community handing out hand warmers and foot warmers and bus tickets at the bus stops. And a lot of people are very appreciative. Uh, right now, my van is down, um, a broken tire rod. Um, at this speak, I'm at the mechanics. Uh, so keep me in prayers in regards to that. And thanks for those who did pray. This will be the last day. Drink a lot of water. Put my name, Michael Cunningham, out in the atmosphere. My mother show Marie Lyons and speak in tongues. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Council. Thank you, sir. Uh, Madam Clerk, if you can also note for the record that we have been joined by Member Vice Chair Durhall. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Oh, no, sir. Thank you. Our next caller, please. Oh, before we go, uh, before we go to the next caller, I'd like to call the 1015 public hearing and recess it to the call of the chair. The next caller via Zoom is D2 victimized Detroit retiree. E2 victimized Detroit retiree. The floor is yours. You have two minutes. Let's pause the clock for until she begins to speak. D2 victimized Detroit retiree. Are you there? Jive, we can put her back in the end of the queue and go to our next caller, please. Next caller is caller ending in 534. Caller ending in 534. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. The floor is yours. You have two minutes. Yes, good morning. May I be heard? We can hear you. Yes, well, good morning. Happy New Year, everyone. 
I really hope that this year can be uh, about the city really following the preamble to the charter and being about equity and inclusion, which Council President Sheffield said the city was about last year at the State of the City Address. But most unfortunately, with the planning that's going on in my neighborhood, that's not what we got. And I got some secretly planned development, mostly for my block, that was planned with a few selected people who signed non-disclosure agreements, all black, and yet this CDC claims to be about racial justice and economic equity, and then they signed non-disclosure agreements, sat down and planned this development in secret for years. Uh, our block club voted against the project, but apparently this information wasn't c communicated to the city council. Um, what I did see, there's a, there's a block club here called North End Neighbors, which falsely represents on its webpage that it represents the entire North End. It's absolutely not true. And some of their leaders have been spreading false information, violating the Ninth Commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness against a neighbor. Uh, saying that we don't want anything good to happen in the neighborhood. That's not true. We just wanted to be included. So the De Democratic Party members often say we're about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And this is a city where Dr. King first gave his I Have a Dream speech. So, uh, you know, why create all this animosity by planning in secret? We, could, we should have had a planning study here years ago, and I was told they were going to issue the RFP for a planning study in my neighborhood in 2015, and I've waited that long. And that's why I'm so upset about the way this has gone down, and it's been extremely inconsiderate of the residents here. The mayor said we get all of our questions answered. That hasn't happened. Ms. Thank you so much. Next caller, please. Next caller is You Matter, noting it might be Ms. Warwick. You Matter. Floor is yours. You that matter. is me. Thank you. Thank you. Next caller, please. Next caller is Ms. Carol Hughes. Carol Hughes, thank you for joining us. The floor is yours. You have two minutes. Uh, good morning, uh, gentlemen and council members. Uh, may I speak? You may. We can hear you. I'm, I'm just calling about uh, issue or on the agenda 9.3 is like an $8 million contract for some training center. And I just needed an explanation to what exactly were you, what, what does this provide? It says housing stability services and resources. So I would like for you to give us a, a rundown on how we can access these ARPA funds for housing stability services and resources. And um, why is it $8 million for provide a call center? And who's going to provide the call center? I'm a little confused about all this money. We're spending this millions of dollars of ARPA funds, and I don't see any direct um, benefit to the residents of which the money came for the, the citizens. I, I would suggest, because he's not, he, we don't want to send the money back. We still are incurring cost from ARPA, from the from the COVID pandemic. And the ARPA funds are supposed to be a rescue fund. Why don't you send some of that money to the residents who live in the city who are experiencing, you know, the pandemic as well? And uh, maybe they need to buy uh, masks and gloves and we've had to buy sanitizers. So why, why is it never a consideration to give the residents any of that money? Why is it always to give it to someone else, some other group? Um, I, I think that it's not in the spirit of these funds to do what you're doing with them. 
and I don't I, we have so many homeless people please have some type of monitor as to how many people Detroiters black folks are you helping um, I, I'm, I'm really at a loss for words at how you're just wasting the ARPA money and not providing anything directly to the citizens. Thank you. Excuse which which uh, line item was that again? Which number? 9.3 and 9.4. 9.3 mm -hmm. is the really, you know, that's the $8 million one. Gotcha. Thank you so much, man. Uh -huh. Yeah, I didn't see a 9.3, but uh, not on my agenda. Next caller, please. Returning to D2 victimized uh, city retiree. D2 victimized reti Detroit retiree. The floor is yours. D2 Detroit victimized retiree. Are you there? Now we're going to have to move on going once. Are you there? Going twice. And three times, D2 victimized Detroit retiree. Are you there? Unfortunately, we're going to have to move on. Uh, if you would like to provide your comments to the clerk's office, they will be placed on public record. Thank you so much. And that now concludes our general public comment. We'd now like to uh, call back to order the 1015 public hearing. Uh, will the parties who are participating please queue up? The 1015 public hearing is to amend, let me get back to my sheet here. All right, there we go. To amend chapter 22 of the 2019 Detroit City Code Housing Article 3 Inclusionary Housing Requirements by amending section 22-3-2 definitions and adding section 22-3-10 American Rescue Plan Act and Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act fund recipient requirements to provide a greater transparency in contracts issued by the city of Detroit. Will the parties who are participating in this public hearing please introduce yourselves for the record. Don't be shy. Good morning. Adam Saxby, attorney, law department. Morning. Good morning, Julie Schneider, Director of the Housing and Revitalization Department. Good morning. Good morning. We have one more slate, there he is, or two more. Good morning, Keegan Mahoney with the uh, Housing and Revitalization Department. Good morning. Is that all we have this morning? Mr. Chair? Yes, sir. Councilmember Waters is online. I just believe she needs to uh, Turn her camera on and unmute. Oh, okay. Here we go. Hey, good morning. I had a difficult time doing it. Thank you. Thank you. And just for the record, we have noticed that a quorum is present. All right. All right, colleagues. Uh, here. Um, Dr. Powers. Yes, um, <clears throat> that's correct. You did notice that a quorum is present, but um, Council Member Waters should not be treated as a council member. Um, she needs to be treated as like an expert witness on this since she is the sponsor of the ordinance. Um, that's important under the law. Okay. Do I, do I refer to her as anything other than council member? 
<laughs> no, that's that. That's okay. I I just want to make it clear for the record. Okay. And of course, if if um, some other council member might join you, and since Council Member Waters is online, um, it wouldn't matter in terms of uh, of there being a quorum present. She would never be counted as part of any quorum that might appear. Got you. Thank you so much. There you go. All right. and, okay. and Madam Clerk, I apologize, but I would uh, I neglected to mention that I've been joined. We've also been joined by Member uh, Calloway as well. Please note, Madam Clerk. Good morning, ma'am. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, who would like to begin? Um, Mr. Chairman. Yes, uh, woman that we know of called uh, Member Waters, but I guess I can't call you Member Waters right now. Okay. It's a joke. Oh, Sorry. Boy, I think it's early. Did you call on me, Miss, Mr. Chairman? <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so good morning, everyone. And thank you, um, Mr. Chairman, for this, this opportunity. Um, I'm right now, you might hear a little background noise. I'm in uh, Member Durhaus district right now, hanging out at the uh, In Harmony Cafe. Uh, participating um, with the care community that's giving away um, baby cribs, you know, protect our newborn infants. So let me just uh, briefly say that the purpose of this ordinance is to ensure that Detroiters have ready access to information, not only about what projects uh, in the community are receiving public dollars, such as opera and COVID, but also exactly what benefits are being proposed such as the percentage of housing units at affordable levels, accommodations for the handicapped community, and et cetera. Uh, this ordinance also commits the city of Detroit to maintain this ready access. And let me emphasize ready access, such as uh, through a digital website to provide updates to uh, residents on project status and the status of the proposed community benefits. And thirdly, let me just say, should the initially proposed benefits not materialize, our ordinance lets the residents know that and joins with them in demanding that the city start to exercise clawback provisions to recuperate our money, bring those dollars back uh, to the people. So. This is all about developer commitments and holding holding their, their feet to the fire. Um, we don't want, if, if you make a commitment for a certain percentage, we need to make sure that you keep such a commitment. Uh, we don't want handshake kinds of promises. We want those type of things uh, in writing and we intend to hold you accountable. So that's what this is all about, Mr. Chairman and members of, uh, of the committee. Thank you so much. And before we go forward, I'd like to recess the 1015 public hearing to the call of the chair. I'd like to now call to order the 1025 public hearing and recess it to the call of the chair. We're now back at the 1015 public hearing. Thank you so much. All right. So, uh, thank you so much, Member Waters, for that information. Uh, from the law department, uh, HRD, uh, anything else to add? The law department is here to answer any questions uh, from this committee. Okay. 
HRD. Um, to the to the chair. So, um, it's our current practice with all affordable housing that we bring um, to the council that we enter into um, contractual arrangements with developers to provide um, uh, affordable housing at um, rates that are specified within those contracts. Um, they may vary between. Um, uh, households for at 0% all the way up to 60% um, of AMI within um, the funding that we utilize through home uh, and or CDBG, including CDBG, um, CV, which are funds that we receive through the uh, CARES Act, um, which this ordinance now adds. Um, so as a part of that work, once the developments are actually open, um, we have a servicer that provides uh, information to us on compliance, making sure that people who are living in those units are um, income eligible so that um, affordable, we are assured that affordable housing money is going into, um, is serving people of the incomes that are required uh, under the affordable housing provisions and affordable and provisions of the contract. Um, so this ordinance um, uh, kind of more explicitly states that that will also apply to uh, ARPA funds as well. All right, thank you. Colleagues, any questions, concerns, comments regarding this item? It seems pretty straightforward. All right, I don't have any questions either. We will now go to public comment. If there's anyone from the public who would like to speak on this particular line item, that is the 1015 public hearing, line item four, please raise your hand now. If you'd like to speak on line item four, the 1015 public hearing, please raise your hand now, going once, going twice, going three times. Collection of public comments for the 1015 public hearing has now ceased. Uh, how many callers do we have and who do we have first? Mr. Chair, we have six callers via Zoom, beginning with you matter. All right, so we're going to give everyone one minute um, public comment during the public hearings today. And you said that was you matter. All right, you matter. Uh, let's wait. Okay, there we go. You matter. The floor is yours. You have one minute starting now. The floor is yours. You matter. Are you there? You matter. All right, let's put you matter back at the end of the queue. Next caller, please. Next caller is caller ending in 534. Caller ending in 534, which I believe is you matter. Ms. Ward, the floor is yours. Yes, hello, can you hear me? I'm having trouble with the computer. We can. Okay. Um, First of all, I'm not too happy with how the housing department secretly planned that development for my block, so I don't have a lot of faith in the housing department. Second of all, I don't think ARPA money should be, I'm not sure it should be used for some of these things. Definitely you should be calling things back, but what you really should be doing is inclusionary planning studies first before you do all of this stuff so you don't create the neighborhood tension right, and stress. Ms. Ward, we have to stay on the topic at hand. It's, this is not about a planning study. And we now will begin your time again. The floor is yours, ma'am. 
Ms. Ward. Excuse me, that's rude to, to, to mute me, sir. Ms. Ward, the floor is yours. Yeah. So I also like what the, they did in the Congress. Some of these things should be posted for like 30 days before you vote on them so the public gets to see it. So you don't ram all this stuff through like, and people barely get to understand what's going on. It's very unbecoming of government. And I Thank you, ma'am. just want to remind uh, those who are calling in that during the public comments for the public hearing, your comments must be tailored to the actual subject that we are discussing in the public hearing, general public comment, where you can talk about anything you want that is already concluded. Next caller, please. Next caller is Ms. Carol Hughes. Ms. Carol Hughes, the floor is yours. Uh, good morning, panel. Uh, may I speak? Yes, you may. Um, I, am, I am a little concerned about the language switch that we have going on here. Um, I'm not sure if Livonia is considered urban um, or Warren, but I know Detroit is, and this is about a housing and urban development uh, monies that we're talking about. And so to switch a rule, the name around from Metro and then switch it back to urban is a, is a little uh, deceitful, I think. Um, Detroit. Yes, let me let you're able to use your time wisely, but I'm, I'm not seeing the. Uh, the item. Are you looking at line item four? I'm looking at the I'm looking at the resolution for the um, greater in inclusionary housing contracting. No man. transparency. Is that the is it is yes, that yes, the? Yes, that's it. That's that's it. Okay. Well, okay. Well, well. See, at the beginning of it. So, to, can I have some more of my time back, please? Yes. Take her back to uh, twenty six seconds. See, see, you're you're doing an area media income for median family for Detroit, oh, Warren, on, and Livonia. Oh, Miss Hughes, hold on one second. Yeah. Oh, okay. Are you going to let me start all over again? No, we're going we're going to take you back to 26 seconds when I interrupted. My apologies. I wanted to make sure we're on the same subject. Okay. The floor remains. <laughs> okay, where where, where it says area, where where it says area media income means the median family income for Detroit, Warren, and Livonia metropolitan statistics from the Labor Bureau of Statistics. So why are we using that instead of Detroit? Okay, then you switch to urban. We're talking about an urban community, right? We're not talking about Livonia. We're not talking about, so why are we using the median income for those metropolitan statistics? This is a switcheroo. And I, you know, and I object. Thank you. For the record, that's the federal government's definition and that's the definition that we have to utilize within the framework of this particular uh, ordinance that we have in front of us. Uh, it does specifically say HUD and ARPA. Those are federal dollars. Next caller, please. Next caller is Detroit Unity. Detroit Unity, thank you for joining us. The floor is yours. You have one minute. Yeah, I, I would think that the language should be amended to include the fact that uh, nothing, um, the city of Detroit, nobody in the city of Detroit can do anything that doesn't fall within the criteria of the explanation and definition of exactly what it is that they're doing. Meaning that, uh, for instance, just for instance, like you can't have uh, a suicide without gun stiffness and you can't uh, designate urban without exactly explaining what urban is. And just to piggyback on what uh, Ms. Hughes was just saying, the old switcheroo is not gonna fly 
in this um, instance or any more instances here in the city of Detroit because it's going to be a stopgap. Now, you can't have uh, suicide without gun stippling. And that um, Sorry, sir, language this, this has nothing to do with gun stippling, Mr. Overwith. This is about inclusionary housing, sir. No, but the language should be included in this ordinance to apply all the, throughout the whole city. Thank you. Next caller, please. The next caller is Mr. Hira Ahmad. Mr. Hira Ahmad, thank you for joining us. The floor is yours. You have one minute. Mr. Hira Ahmad, thank you for joining us. You have one minute. Hello, can you hear me? We can. Good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. Uh, it's about inclusionary housing. We should not be including um, people that have not been breached in this $600 million property overtax. We should include the people who have been looted by the city um, illegally, overtaxed. And then we're told we can't, and it illegally, we, we cannot even sue for our own money back. Uh, I think that uh, we need to change the language to include the inclusion, not include uh, other people. And Livonia has not been looted. Uh, these other municipalities have not been looted, and this is our money in Detroit, not theirs. The federal government did not send it to Livonia. They sent the ARPA money to Detroiters, so it should affect Detroiters, and that's not including others. Thank you. Next caller, please. Final caller is Ms. Ruth Johnson. Ruth Johnson, thank you for joining us. The floor is yours. You have one minute. Hi, this is Ruth Johnson. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. I have the pleasure of serving as the Public Policy Director at Community Development Advocates of Detroit, and thank you for this opportunity to comment on the proposed amendments to the inclusionary housing requirements. Now, I have to admit, I don't understand all the proposed amendments, uh, but the gist I'm hearing is it's a positive uh, uh, changes to increase clarity and the amount of information that is available and to increase accountability, which of course I support. I've had the pleasure of working with Ms. Snyder and her team over at HRD with the, uh, the original annual reporting under the ordinance. And I think we can build on that so that we can make sure that people understand the context of first the ordinance, secondly, why this is important and, and explain why are we using the HUD or federal uh, average median income, because I think there's a lot of confusion or lack of understanding of what this is and why it's important. So I thank you so much. All right. That now concludes our public comment for line item four. Colleagues, uh, any additional questions? Seeing none, is there a motion? Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. I move that we send uh, this line item to formal with a recommendation to approve. There is a motion to send line item four to formal with a recommendation to approve. Any objections? Seeing none, that action shall be taken. Thank you. This now closes out our 1015 public hearing. We'd now like to call back to order the 1025 public hearing. Will the parties who are participating please queue up? The 1025 public hearing is to amend chapter 50 of the Detroit City Code zoning by amending article 12. Uh, a number of different items in here, uh, sections rather, and uh, we're just going to allow CPC 
uh, to come forward and explain to the public what this long piece of information that we have uh, actually means. We know, but the public has not uh, seen it. So good morning, Mr. Todd. How are you? Director Todd, how are you? Good morning and happy new year, uh, Mr. President Pro Tem. I am well, sir. Good to see you all this morning. Um, on this particular item, Mr. Chair, we have Jamie Murphy, who will be leading the presentation. Uh, I believe that we also have representatives from Building and Safety Engineering who will also be participating in the presentation. Uh, and I think the law department is also present, uh, either in the form of Daniel Arking or uh, Corp. Counsel Mallet himself. We see Ms. Murphy, but we were not provided any names from the law department. So we're taking a look and we'll see. And in the event that they are needed, requested, or want to speak, we can raise their hand and we will go to them. All right, thank you. And I will uh, scan the attendee room myself to see if I see anyone and let your staff know, Mr. Chair. All right, thank you. Ms. Murphy, good morning. Uh, thank you for joining us. You want to introduce yourself for the record and you may proceed. Good morning. I'm Jamie Murphy of the City Planning Commission staff. I do have a presentation to go over the proposed ordinance if I may share my screen. You may. So I apologize in advance, the presentation is kind of long, um, but I feel like it's important to go through all of the um, proposed changes so everybody knows what is actually being proposed. Um, so before you this morning is a proposed tax amendment to the zoning ordinance to update the regulation of auto-related uses. Um, so the challenge is that Detroit has a proliferation of auto-related uses, um, junkyards, auto repairs, used auto sales. We have lots of all of them. Um, many of these uses aren't compliant with zoning, property maintenance, or licensing standards. And as a result, they create a blighting influence in the city. Uh, so not to call out any individual businesses, but just to go over a couple of the, um, the issues we see at these businesses that kind of make them a problem in the city. Um, the first one is excessive signage. At this particular business, you can see they have a lot of signs on the building. They have a ground sign. They also have signs all over the fence. Um, so it just makes it not a really nice place to look at. Um, then secondly, they have vehicles parked all over the sidewalk, too wide in some places, which makes it very dangerous for pedestrians to try to navigate. Um, anyone with mobility issues would be blocked from coming through. Um, and also drivers, it makes it hard to turn in and out of those driveways because you can't see around those cars. And then finally, outdoor tire storage. It's hard to tell in this picture, but they have a couple hundred tires over here on their side lot. Um, and that's not only great, um, bad to look at, like it's not good for aesthetics. Um, it's also a place where rodents like to live, bugs like to live. It's really a problem in the city. Um, then here's a lot where they should store uh, disabled vehicles. It looks like uh, they're screening along the sidewalk is a, just a chain link fence with some tarps. It looks like it's not very well maintained. The tarps are falling down. Um, you can still see the disabled vehicles behind, and they also have a sign that looks like they haven't maintained in quite a while. It's got some peeling paint on it. And then finally, here's a uh, vacant business that looks like it just hasn't been uh, kept up at all in a long time. Um, and you can see it's really close to some houses over here. People really shouldn't have to live close to these, these blighted properties. Um, so just to give a little bit of an idea of how many of these uses we have in the city and what the layout is, um, we put together this map uh, with data that uh, Building Safety Engineering and Environmental Department gave us last summer. 
Um, the purple dots are auto repair locations, the yellow is auto sales, uh, the green is junkyards, and then the pink is tow yards. And you can kind of just start to see that they do cluster in some areas and then other areas don't have as much of a problem. So in response to this back in November 2019, uh, Mayor Duggan issued a moratorium on applications for new or expanded auto related uses. And what that means is the city just stopped taking applications. If you wanted to open a new business or expand your existing business, you couldn't do it. Um, the reason for that was to give the city time to review existing policies, develop a compliance strategy, and advance some new regulations for these uses. Um, that moratorium has been extended several times, and as far as I know, it may have expired on December 31st, but it might have been extended. I just haven't heard yet. Um, so the process we've been going through for the past couple of years, um, several city departments have worked together collaboratively to try to come up with good um, regulations for these uses. Uh, Building Safety Engineering Environmental has really taken the lead on this since they issue the permits and the licenses and they do the code enforcement. They're really on the front lines. They really understand the issue better than anyone else. Um, planning and development has also helped the law department and then of course CPC staff. And then Zone Detroit, our project where we're rewriting the whole zoning ordinance uh, has had a big effect on this proposed amendment. Uh, every time we go out and do community engagement, people tell us that these auto-related uses have a huge impact on their neighborhoods. And as a result, our um, consultant in the Project Code Studio had come up with some recommendations that they felt would help us regulate auto-related uses better. And those have been folded into this amendment also. So the general strategy of these proposed uh, amendments is four-pronged. So the first is to restrict zoning districts where each auto-related use is allowed. So as a, an example, if used auto sales is currently allowed in eight districts, maybe we decrease it to four districts so that there's less of those businesses opening and um, enforcement can, can deal with them better. Uh, the second part of the strategy is to add spacing requirements between each type of use. So if you wanna open a new junkyard, you have to be a certain distance from all existing junkyards. Then third, clarify, update, and add several definitions. And then finally, reclassify auto service and repair uses to reduce confusion. Before we get into the details of the ordinance, um, every time we present this, we have a little bit of confusion about council districts versus zoning districts. Um, in this amendment, we're only talking about zoning districts, not council districts. So that's um, every property in the city has a zoning district, whether it's B4 general business or M2 light industrial. That's what we're talking about limiting in this ordinance, not zone, not council districts. We're not going to not allow any more auto related uses in any particular district. Um, and then existing businesses, we've had a lot of questions from existing businesses. Uh, these new regulations, if they're passed, will not affect existing businesses. If they're located in a district that no longer allows their use, they become what's called non-conforming, they're kind of grandfathered in, and they can continue to operate as long as they want to. And then those permits are attached to the land, not the, not the person, so they can sell the business and or the property. And as long as that business continues to operate, they do not have to close down. Um, the one thing that isn't is um, that's the drawback to being a non-conforming use is if you want to expand or intensify your use, like if you buy a new piece of property and you want to expand your parking lot, you have to go to the Board of Zoning Appeals first and they have to decide whether or not it'll be detrimental to the neighborhood. So that's the drawback to being non-conforming. And then as far as spacing requirements, um, if an existing legal use is still allowed in that district, but doesn't comply with the new spacing requirements, that alone doesn't make them non-conforming. It would still be a conforming use. And that's already in the zoning ordinance for spacing requirements today. Um, so to get into the actual detail of what's proposed in this ordinance, first we'll go into the, the definitions. Um, it proposes to eliminate the terms motor vehicle services major and motor vehicle services minor. That's currently what we call the auto repair uses. 
um, and it would replace it with three new terms. Uh, the first is light duty vehicle service, and light duty vehicle repair, and then medium heavy duty vehicle or equipment repair. So there's three levels of intensity there. The, the least intense is the light duty vehicle service where it's routine maintenance and other limited services for vehicles up to 10,000 pounds, typically on a same day basis. So that would be like an oil change place or brakes or exhaust, something where you're in and out in a few hours. The next level of intensity is the light duty vehicle repair. That's substantial repairs of vehicles up to 10,000 pounds, typically requiring overnight storage. So transmission work, body work, painting, that type of thing. And then the most intense is medium or heavy duty vehicle or equipment repair. That's any type of service or repair for vehicles over 10,000 pounds, no matter if it's same day or overnight or whatever. We felt like the impact of all those uses was similar, so it could be regulated together as one use. And then the second page of definitions, um, we're proposing to eliminate the use construction equipment, agricultural implements, and other heavy equipment repair, as that would be covered under that new medium heavy uh, equipment repair use. And then secondly, eliminate the term truck garages from a very long wordy use called trucking terminals, transfer buildings, truck garages, recreational vehicle storage lots, and open areas for the parking of semi-trailers, buses, and other operable commercial vehicles. Um, because truck garages would now be, again, under that medium heavy duty repair use. Um, so you can kind of see we're trying to get these, these uses that are scheduled throughout or scattered throughout the ordinance and put them together under auto repair to hopefully make it less confusing. Um, then thirdly, add a couple definitions for previously undefined terms, and then finally update the definition of used vehicle part sales. So the second part of the proposed um, amendment is to restrict the districts where each auto-related use is allowed. And before we get into the details of that, I'll explain what we're looking at here. Can be a little overwhelming if you don't look at it very often, but um, this is the part of the use table out of the zoning ordinance, and it basically tells you um, what uses you can do in what zoning district. So you have the uses down the left-hand side of the table, the zoning districts across the top, and then these in these little boxes, if there's an R, it means it's a by-right use. So you can go to Building Safety Engineering and Environmental Department and apply for a permit. And um, as long as you meet the regulations like parking and setbacks, they will give you your permit. If it's a C, that means it's a conditional use. Before you can get your permit, you also have to have a public hearing um, where they invite everyone within 300 feet and they get to weigh in on what they think the impact of whatever you're proposing would be on the neighborhood. Then if they approve it, you can proceed to the permit stage. Um, the L is only comes into play in PD districts and that's where city council gets to determine what exactly happens in that district. Um, and then going into the changes proposed, so all the underlying changes are additions to the ordinance, proposed additions, and the strike throughs are proposed deletions to the ordinance. So getting into what is actually proposed in the amendment, uh, the first three lines here are those new auto repair uses. Um, they're in alphabetical order here, which is not the same order of intensity. So the first one listed is light duty vehicle repair establishment, which is the middle intensity use, like um, where they store the cars overnight. The proposal is to allow it conditionally in M3, 4, and 5, which are the heavy duty industrial districts. Um, the second line is a light duty vehicle service establishment, which is that lowest intensity use like oil change places. Um, that would be allowed in the most districts. You could do it in B4 and B6, all the M districts and SD2, which is uh, the higher intensity mixed use district. Um, and then that most intense auto repair use, medium heavy duty vehicle repair would only be allowed in M4 and M5. 
Um, the next two lines are those motor vehicle services major and minor, which we're proposing to eliminate because they're taken over by those first three uses. The next line is used auto sales lots. Um, that's the most dramatic changes proposed. Um, as you can see, they're allowed today in a lot of different zoning districts. The proposal is to restrict that and only allow them conditionally in M2, 3, 4, 5, and SD4. And then these last two lines on the table are um, storage lots, accessory to used auto sales lots. Um, so the, the top line is the new vehicle storage lots. Um, the only change proposed to that is to allow them conditionally in SD4 since you can have new auto dealers in SD4. And then the used auto storage lots would be allowed in the same districts where you could do the used auto sales lot. And then the second page of uses, um, again, that top line, proposing to eliminate the construction equipment repair use because it's covered under medium heavy duty repair. Um, junkyards proposed to only be allowed in M5 district now, so the heaviest industrial district only. Um, scrap tire storage processing or recycling would only be allowed in M4 and M5. Used tire sales and service would only be M4 and M5. Towing service storage yard would be M4 and M5. And then used vehicle part sales would also be M4 and M5. And then the third part of the ordinance um, is to add spacing requirements between auto-related uses. Um, so again, that first line is light duty vehicle repair, which is the middle intensity auto repair use. Um, you would have to be, in order to establish a new one, you'd have to be a thousand feet from all existing, um, also a thousand feet from service and repair uses, all service and repair uses, and a hundred feet from residentially zoned land. Um, that second line is the light duty vehicle service. That's the lowest intensity use like auto change or oil change places. Um, you'd have to be a thousand feet from the same use and a thousand feet from any other service or repair use. And then the third line is the medium heavy duty vehicle equipment repair, thousand feet from the same use, thousand feet from all service or repair, hundred feet from residential. Um, the next line is used uh, motor vehicle sales lots. They already have a spacing requirement of a thousand feet. So the proposal is to increase that to 2000 feet. Um, the used motor vehicle storage lots, there's currently a um, requirement that they're 25 feet from residential if they're storing commercial vehicles. The proposal is to increase that to 250 feet. Um, junkyards, you'd have to be 2,000 feet from an existing junkyard, 1,000 feet from residential, and 1,000 feet from parks. Um, scrap tire storage processing and recycling, you'd have to be 1,000 feet from a same use and 1,000 feet from residential. Use tire sales and service a thousand feet from the same use, and then also towing service storage yard. You'd have to be a thousand feet from the same use. Um, one of the kind of minor provisions of the ordinance, um, but it is a change, is to prohibit auto-related uses on gateway radial thoroughfares. Um, and the gateway radial thoroughfares are portions, not the whole thing, just portions of um, Michigan, Grand River, Woodward, Gratiot, and East Jefferson. And it's literally only the part that's highlighted here in this purple color. Um, so it's kind of the entranceway to downtown. So you wouldn't be able to establish new auto-related uses in those sections, um, regardless of the zoning district. And then finally, the fourth part, the miscellaneous changes. Um, the first is to add specific use regulations for several uses in order to be consistent. Um, several auto-related uses today have regulations on lighting and screening and curb cuts and paving and others don't. And so we just wanted to make it consistent across the board. Um, the second thing is to prohibit the outdoor storage of used tires. It causes a lot of problems. It just seems like it would be easier to just not allow it anymore and people will have to store them inside. Um, the third thing is to, a little bit more complicated, to add several uses to the list that non-conforming uses can't be changed to. 
So as we talked about non-conforming uses earlier, the ones that are kind of grandfathered in, one of the advantages is that you can go to the Board of Zoning Appeals and ask to change to another non-conforming use. But the caveat to that is there's a whole list of things you can never change to. So we're proposing to add to that list junkyards, used auto sales, scrap tire storage processing and recycling, towing service storage yards, and then that medium heavy duty vehicle repair. And then finally, we wanna clear, uh, clarify the definition of recycling center um, to exclude vehicle parts, vehicles, and metal other than curbside recycling. Right now there's some um, overlap with junkyards. And as we heard during public comment, um, that this would um, draw the line at what was a junkyard and what's a recycling center. Um, so any text amendments to the zoning ordinance first has to go to the city planning commission um, for a public hearing and recommendation. Uh, we held the public hearing back on June 2nd. Notices were mailed citywide to our list of 1,500 people that have asked to be notified of tax amendments. We also published it in the legal news. Uh, nine members of the public spoke at that hearing. Five were generally supportive of the changes due to concerns about the auto-related uses on commercial corridors and their effect on pollution. Um, the other four people who spoke were more concerned about the effect on auto-related businesses and whether we had adequately notified them. Uh, we didn't receive any correspondence. Uh, the City Planning Commission voted that night to continue the public hearing to June 16th so we could do some more community engagement. So in those two weeks, we mailed out physical notices to a little more than 1,500 um, existing auto-related uses that BC gave us the addresses for. Uh, we also sent out an email notice to our 4,000-person subscriber list. Uh, we held two virtual events via Zoom. One was a Department of Neighborhoods meeting, the one they have on Monday nights. There were about 200 people on that call. Um, 10 people spoke generally in support. A lot of uh, what came up was enforcement issues. Um, and then CPC staff also led a virtual meeting that week. Uh, about nine members of the public attended. Uh, we had mostly questions on the effect on existing businesses. And then at that public hearing, the continued public hearing on June 16th, uh, CPC staff presented some maps the commissioners had asked for. Six members of the public spoke. This time it was three um, from towing yards that felt like we had included them unfairly. Um, two were residents generally in support, and the final one was an owner of a existing auto business concerned about the effect on his business. Um, the commissioners had a, quite a discussion that night. Um, a lot of what was discussed was equity issues, making sure that people could access car repair close to their homes, um, but also balancing that with um, not forcing people to live near blighted properties. And so we brought the ordinance back to the CPC once again on August 4th. Um, did a recap and a, a presentation on the tow yards, and they voted that night to recommend approval of the proposed tax amendment. In conclusion, um, these changes would make it more difficult to establish new auto-related uses, and it would limit the new number of new businesses opening, hopefully making enforcement a little bit easier. Uh, the new regulations wouldn't apply to existing businesses. They would be able to go on as they are. Um, and while this amendment proposes to regulate auto-related businesses much more strictly, they do often detract from the appearance and viability of the business corridors. Guiding these new auto-related uses closer to the rail corridors and industrial areas would have fewer negative impacts on aesthetics and retail viability. And finally, these uses contribute to pollution and moving them further from residential areas would have a positive effect on residents' quality of life. That is the end of my presentation. All right, thank you so much. Anything else to add from any other panelists? Seeing none, thank you. Uh, Mr. Todd. Chair, I'm sorry, Mr. Chair. Uh, we are waiting for William Vesey uh, from Building and Safety Engineering to join. 
in his absence, uh, Jada Filson may be able to at least summarize BC's position. Um, good morning, Pro Tim. Good morning, everyone else, and Happy New Year. Um, Jada Filson representing the building department. Um, it was mostly enforcement from property maintenance um, that, you know, went out there. We did identify a lot of properties that were blighted, that were not in compliance. Um, on the zoning side, we stopped taking applications um, per the um, I'm sorry, per the uh, recommendation from the mayor. And we have turned down a lot of people who have been trying to establish these uses in the city. Um, we just explained to them that we're trying to get a lot of uh, people into compliance. Um, so the city will look better. Um, and it won't be an issue for new people to come in. Um, so Inspector VC is here now, so maybe he can give his side of the enforcement um, from BC, but that was uh, zoning's uh, issues or concerns. Thank you, Jada. Um, for BC, um, we started with the um, comprehensive list of Mr. over 2,000. If, if you can please introduce yourself for the record for the clerk. Oh, I apologize. I'm Supervisor Vizi with the City of Detroit Building Safety, Engineering, and Environmental Division. Thank you. And uh, what we did is we uh, compiled a smart sheet of over 2,000 uh, scrapyard and auto-related businesses that we've been monitoring and, and tracking uh, for about the last two and a half to three years. Um, we're currently... Um, we have 17 inspectors out sweeping the entire city to make sure that we're getting compliance and no exterior blight. What we've ran across in the past, we've had a lot of what we call illegal expansion. That's where the the um, business will start having cars all up and down the street and on the berm. So we're working hard uh, on putting an end to that and educating the the customers on what they can do and what they can't do. And uh, it's an ongoing process that, uh, like I said, we we just started it the first of the year again. So we're doing a sweep over the entire city. And that, that's what we're doing at BC. Any further from anyone? Any other presenters? All right. Colleagues, questions, concerns, comments? Member, Vice Chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and uh, good morning to everyone. Uh, first, I'd like to thank BC as well as the Law Department and CPC uh, in regards to drafting this ordinance. Uh, one of the reasons we chose to sponsor this ordinance, uh, as you can look at the map, there is a proliferation of these uses uh, in our district, uh, District 7, and, and that is how uh, I came to know uh, a little bit more about that. Back in 2019, when the moratorium was established, uh, obviously, uh, it put everything on a halt, uh, which gave the opportunity to develop some comprehensive language and put into statute or ordinance 
what we would like to see to ensure that our neighborhoods, our communities, our commercial corridors are remaining safe, remaining clean, and conforming uh, not only with what we want to see in the city of Detroit, but state law as well. Uh, and so uh, we are very supportive of this ordinance. BC has worked very hard on the CPC as well as the law department. Uh, outreach has uh, been done uh, in districts across the city of Detroit. Uh, but not only that, uh, I can tell you just from a standpoint, when I talk to my residents, uh, this is one of the biggest issues in District 7, uh, whether that is tires being left out uh, and, and being exposed or dumped in the back of alleys or oil being poured down drains. Uh, and some other nefarious activity that uh, does not reflect the type of businesses we want to have here uh, in the city of Detroit. This ordinance is going to be helpful going forward uh, and, and also uh, like to eliminate just the uh, idea that it is going to hurt current businesses as, uh, again, which was defined relative to non-conforming or non-compliant. Uh, there is a difference. Uh, we are not trying to put anyone out of business, but we are trying to ensure that our residents have safe, clean air uh, as well, safe, clean commercial corridors, and again, uh, do not have to be subject to blight within the communities that they live in. So uh, again, I am thankful for this ordinance, uh, and I would urge my colleagues' support for it. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Uh, Member Johnson. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and thank you to everyone who worked on this. I know. Um, we can look throughout the entire city of Detroit and identify uh, businesses that are not operating properly um, in the current zoning. Uh, and so I think this is a way to help clean up the city. And so as many of us are looking forward to improving blight throughout our communities, I think this is a huge step. Um, I know many of us have businesses that have tires, hundreds of tires that um, sit behind the businesses, these auto-related businesses in particular, uh, that really need to be cleaned up because they attract so many negative things into our neighborhoods. And I think this will certainly be a way to help improve them. I also just want to say that, you know, there are some businesses that operate under this umbrella that do it very well. I have some within my district. Um, and I think this is really just encouraging uh, businesses within the auto-related industry to uh, perform better, to be better, um, to be better stewards of land in the city, and to be better neighbors in our neighborhood. So thank you all who uh, who worked on this. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you so much. Any additional colleagues? Seeing none, we shall now go to public comment. Is there anyone from the public who would like to speak on this particular line item? Anyone from the public, please raise your hand now. Going once, going twice, going three times. Collection of public comments have now closed. I do see we have a hand in the uh, Committee of the Whole. We'll both go first, but John, how many calls do we have online? Via Zoom, we have four hands raised before public comment was cut off. You can come forward. That seat right there. As mentioned earlier, everyone will have one minute. We can put the clock up, please. Mr. Chair, before oh, hold, on, hold on, hold on, one second. Hold on. Let me get the technical stuff right. Go ahead. Um, 
Mr. Schellenberger, the representative of my client, is here as well. I respectfully request that I be allotted his one minute to allow me two total. Anybody minutes. who can raise their hand right now, just one minute, just one person, one minute per person. Can I speak in his stead is my question. One person, one minute. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Hold on one second. We're going to get your clock back. Just the rules that we have. Sorry about that. All right. Floor is yours. Yes, my name is Gene Abercrombie. I'm an attorney uh, with Eastman and Smith, and I represent OmniSource LLC, a subsidiary of Steel Dynamics Incorporated, which is a $19 billion company with $19 million, uh, billion of market cap. They've recently acquired 14 acres of the former Davidson Conrail Yard at Davidson and Mound and intend to construct an industrial metals byproduct processing and intermodal loading facility. Unfortunately, we were not aware of the fact that this legislation uh, was pending because we were not a property owner at the time. We recently closed on the acquisition of the property. And uh, in the read of the, the, the ordinance, uh, though it is entirely well-intentioned and uh, it, it is addressed to solve a lot of problems, uh, we believe that it is overly broad in that it will cause significant problems for our project, which in no way, shape, or form uh, is any of the types of projects that have been discussed. Thank you. Uh, just really quickly, I mean, I know that we, yes, sir. we don't like going back and forth, but you purchased the project, you purchased the property during the moratorium? Yes, sir. With the understanding that the moratorium was in effect, right? We, we entered into contract uh, with Conrail back in 2020 with the understanding that there was a moratorium in process and we knew that uh, there was legislation coming through. Unfortunately, we were not aware of it until too late. Uh, we submitted our comments uh, through uh, your chief of staff back in uh, November and um, you know we, we look forward to hopefully working with the city to find a way to, to get this project to work within the parameters. We're talking a project of, of initially $6 million of investment, 10 jobs, ultimately another $16 million investment and another 20 jobs. Gotcha. Uh, so we, we'll, we look forward to continuing dialogue. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, who do we have online? Via Zoom, we first have D2 victimized Detroit retiree. D2 victimized Detroit retiree. The floor is yours. We have one minute regarding the line item 5, 1025 public hearing. Hello? Hello. There we go. Yeah. We hear you. Uh, good, good afternoon. Welcome back. Um, so, I'm sorry, I, I missed out. I had some connection issues earlier, and I, I didn't get to understand all of what, what we're discussing here. But I do understand it's a, a new um, ordinance, and I believe what I'm understanding is about the routes, uh, the business routes that come in into town. So, um, is there a con uh, an no. association between the Board of Zoning Appeals no, this, and this, the city? I'm, I'm this, sorry. This is, this is about how we managed or how businesses manage scrap metal and, and those uh, other particular types of entities. Um, scrap metal, uh, recycling facilities, as well as uh, tow yards. As it relates to the city planning commission, I'm not sure what you mean by that, but period. That that's what it all entails. I'm just trying to find out what ordinance is so I can I can research it. I didn't know anything about it till today. That's all. Like like the uh, caller ahead of me, he he did, wasn't uh, up to all of the 
um, you know, all of the intricates of the of this ordinance. So I'm just trying to find out where can I find that ordinance to research. Okay, yeah, we it it should be online. We place all of it in the, in the places that are normally there online. Which is, I can't tell you off offhand, but if you call our office okay. and we can direct you to it and get you exactly the link. All right, thanks. same one that we always use. Yep, Thank you. Thanks. All right, next caller, please. The next caller is Detroit Unity. Detroit Unity, thank you for joining us. You have one minute regarding the 1025 public hearing. Hey, 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 what's happening, Detroit City? I came on this comment uh, to talk about this hearing today with a whole bunch of things on my mind, but in particular, um, if you trying to, um, you know, make it hard for the little tire dealers who might store tires on their um, property, I think it might be uh, more ingenious as opposed to be as opposed to being disingenuous if you allow them to uh, either fence in and uh, if you're worried about the residents seeing it, fence in and then have a, a how should I say a banner or a tarp high enough to uh, disguise the tires because if you're saying that they can't storm outside and they only got a little bit of space inside to keep their equipment in it, then that's to their disadvantage and that's going to hurt the small businesses. Thank you. Next caller, please. The next caller is Ms. Carol Hughes. Carol Hughes, thank you for joining us. Got one minute for yours. Uh, may I speak? We can hear you. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> well, let me, let me, let me just say this. I, I really, Mr. Vassy, when you went out to all of the properties and looked at all of the blight, did you give tickets? I, th I think that y you all spend a lot of time, you know, reproducing things we already have. We already have ordinances. We already have reasons why the – I can understand the moratorium, and yes, there should be a moratorium. But all of this amendment changing and all of this things you're doing, this is like busy work. Please, if you went to the properties and you saw blight and violations, did you give a ticket to these people? We, we already have things on the book that will suffice in handling these things if we would just execute them and force them. If they have tires on the outside and they should be on the inside, give them time to fix it. If they don't, give them a ticket. You guys spend a lot of time changing our ordinances and our amendments. It's like busy work, duplication of work. Thank you. Thank you. Next caller, please. Next and final caller is caller ending in 534. Caller ending in five three four. The floor is yours. You have one minute. Yes, hello, may I be heard? We can hear you, ma'am. Yes. Yeah. Well, first of all, Mr. Tate, thanks for showing us how you do treat callers differently because you respond to some and you respond to others when you say you got to treat people equally. Um, number one, would this apply to individuals who? happen to collect scrap. I have neighbors who collect scrap, and uh, it didn't seem until they wanted to develop this neighborhood anybody seemed to care about it. But I also think that this only passed the City Planning Commission last week, and I would urge this body to give the public time to see this, like 30 days public comment. 
because ramming this through like this, I think, is irresponsible, disrespectful to the residents. And as the gentleman pointed out, there's vague language in there. I warned you about vague language in the MOU for the land bank, and then, it and then they assured that they, uh, anyway. They, 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 Thank you. And our final, <clears throat> final caller, excuse me. That is our final caller. Colleagues, any additional questions, concerns regarding this particular item? I'm Member Durham. Thank you, uh, uh, Mr. Chair. I, I just would like to, you know, hearing some of the public comments as well, just clarify that the moratorium existed, uh, but moratoriums are generally temporary uh, in nature, and that is why it is uh, important to establish teeth to put things into uh, law or ordinance. Uh, and that was that this is what that ordinance does uh, while we remain germane as well to this particular uh, public hearing for this zoning uh, I will note that there are other ordinances that are going to follow uh, that are companions to this uh, that will also lay out clarification and definition uh, as well as requirements uh, for these uses uh, and that is my uh, comments for that and again I would urge my colleagues support for this ordinance thank you mr. chair oh sorry about that thank you Mr. Ty oh, Mr. Tyler got the little hand up there. <laughs> Can't see it. Mr. Tyler, the floor is yours, sir. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Chair. Uh, Mr. President Pro Tem, just wanted to add a couple of other quick notes with regard to this. As Mr. Durhall just indicated, uh, moratorium has been in place, and that is typically in place in order to provide the opportunity for the city, in this case, to uh, explore the issue further and develop uh, new and different regulations. In this case, we do recognize that this is somewhat of an extreme uh, approach, but it is certainly warranted in that uh, enforcement is ongoing. But what we have recognized collectively as city agencies is that the landscape in the city today, as it concerns the presence of these uses and the operation of some, uh, is such that it warrants the cessation of any further permits being given in certain districts. So that is why we are further reducing that capacity in order to provide the city for an opportunity to continue to evolve beyond this. In future dates, we may determine uh, that it's uh, necessary now to change those things. But we certainly do believe that this is well appropriate and in order to address issues that are having blighting inf impacts on our business and residential community. And again, we believe that it is time and it is most appropriate to take the um, su suggested measures on. Uh, the last point that I would simply like to make in recognition of a comment from Ms. Filson, um, the moratorium has been extended to the end of March till March 31st. The effective date currently in the ordinance is uh, provides the standard proceedings. We believe, and Ms. Wilson can speak to this, that it may be appropriate to change the effective date in the ordinance to April 1st so that it would be consistent with the ending of the moratorium. Um, yes, thank you, Director Todd. Um, yeah, this will really help, um, and we can prepare um, if this uh, ordinance moves on and we will be ready uh, if this ordinance is approved. Um, I also wanted to speak real quick to Mrs. Hughes's concerns. Um, we did give tickets 
to those businesses. Um, we actually closed a lot of businesses too, um, but we got them in com to compliance and they are back open operating under this current ordinance. Okay. Yeah, thank you. I, and, and I would, you know, again, echo some of what Ms. Ms. Hughes said. I mean, we do see, and I'll just say just in my district, and, uh, Supervisor VC, you were over in the district before and you did some tremendous work over there. Um, but I will say that just in general as a city, we give folk way too many chances, way too many chances. Um, we see a lot of frequent flyers. We see a lot of folks who just thumb their nose at us. They may pay the fine. They may not pay the fine. Uh, I would like to see that list of those businesses who have been closed or had their licenses suspended because I've, I've got a couple of problem businesses in my district and literally, I've made the call. I've literally been told they've gotten tickets. They literally continue to do the same thing over again. And we wash, rinse, repeat over and over and over. Um, and I don't, you know, this, again, I'm very supportive of this ordinance. I'm just frustrated about, you know, this, this, this cycle that we continue to go through with many of these businesses. Some of them are uh, listed in, in uh, these uh, types of businesses that we're talking about today. Others... Uh, also violate, but we just give uh, too many chances to disappoint our our citizens. That's what we're doing essentially. So, thank you for the work that you do. I will say, I don't want to make this seem that you don't do anything because you're out there working hard. Um, but as a as a city, uh, the policy has to be, in my opinion, a lot stronger um, to actually make an impact. Because here we are, we're making some changes today, but if we're not laying a hammer down on folks who choose not to. Uh, adhere to it, do we change another ordinance? Do we amend it again to, to Ms. Hughes' point? So, uh, again, supportive, but looking forward to seeing that list of those closed businesses that were closed in, uh, when, when, when are we saying we closed them, uh, Ms. Filson? Are we talking about 21, 22? Um, we started, I believe, um, Inspector VC, if you can correct me, I think it was 2019, we started the process um, giving tickets and closing businesses down. Okay. Correct. And, and I'll work on emailing uh, your office a uh, copy of uh, a complete list of all of the closures that we've done. And, and it's ongoing. It, it's not, you know, and I understand and I feel your frustration as a lifelong Detroiter. I, I see the same thing. And, uh, you know, at some point enough is enough. Yes, sir. All right, this is our power that we have, colleagues. Uh, we create laws and ordinances, and we try to do what we can to you know, meet, the, meet the moment, so to speak. Um, again, thank you all. Colleagues, any additional? Seeing none, is there a motion? Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. I move that we take line item five and send to formal with a recommendation to approve. There's a motion to send line item five to formal with a recommendation to approve. Seeing Mr. Chair. Um, Mr. Oh, did, did we have to change the date, didn't we? Wasn't that being requested? Thank you. Yes. All right. Is that is, is that deter is is that a substantive change if we're talking about a date? It is not. Okay. This is just the effective date when the ordinance would take effect. Okay. It is. There's no specific date in the ordinance today. And again, the suggestion is that consistent with the expiration of the current moratorium, that the effective date be set for April 1st of this year. Okay. Colleagues, is there a motion for that uh, change? Pardon, pardon me, I, 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 uh, I will remove my uh, previous motion, uh, but I do have a question, uh, if I can, a uh, motion for discussion. Absolutely, sir. Uh, 
So from my understanding, and maybe someone can clarify, under the moratorium that is extended to the 31st, the language in the moratorium states that uh, it will expire on the 31st or uh, a date when the ordinance is enacted. Can we get clarification on that? We have someone from the law department, maybe. And the reason why I asked, just because it would not be necessary, to, from my understanding, to amend it to the first, if within the moratorium it states that the moratorium should expire the date the ordinance is enacted. Through the chair, uh, Graham Anderson, uh, attorney. Uh, I believe that's something I would have to go back uh, to my team to discuss, but we could get you that answer uh, within a week. Um. Well, uh, pardon me, through you, Mr. Chair, I, I think we need to know today before we send it to formal. Otherwise, uh, this is a public hearing. We do not want to trigger another one. So Absolutely. Um, I could get the answer by uh, the end of uh, today's committee. That, that'll work for me. Uh, before we go, uh, uh, Member Vice Chair, you mind if I pivot over to Jai? He has some information to add. No, I do, I do not, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Mr. Chair, we, as uh, Director Todd did mention earlier in the public hearing, we do have uh, Corporation Council Mallet online. Uh, he just needs to accept the Zoom in or the, the promotion invitation. It's Corporation Council, if you want to uh, chime in on this, please accept that invitation and you'll be ported over, sir. Uh, Member Vice Chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And I, again, we'll wait, uh, obviously, um, until Corporation Council chimes in. Uh, and if not, in a timely manner, I, I don't have any quips of, you know, bringing this back to the end of the agenda uh, so uh, we can address that issue. I just don't want to bind us stating that the ordinance is going to take effect on April 1st, uh, noting that, um, you know, if, if it's passed before then, there's no need for the moratorium. Okay. Mr. Todd, I saw your hand uh, right before we went to Member Vice Chair. You want to add anything? Thank you, Mr. President Pro Tem. I was essentially going to say what Mr. Durhall just said. I had not seen this very latest version of the moratorium. Uh, so, uh, Again, consistent with your thoughts, Mr. Arking or Corp Council, uh, I believe, are on, and uh, we could get that clarity. If that language suffices, then I would agree with Mr. Durhall. There would be no necessity to have it uh, correspond with the uh, expiration of the moratorium if, if in fact, VC is ready to begin enforcement immediately and needs no additional time to ramp up to enforce this new ordinance. All right, thank you. Looks like we don't have, no one is chiming in with the answer just yet. Uh, Attorney Arkane. Um, <clears throat> Please introduce yourself for the record. See you. Thank you, Chair. Daniel Arking, uh, Senior Assistant Corporation Counsel with the City of Detroit Law Department. Um, I, um, a colleague of mine, Ms. Wong, took leadership in drafting um, the current extension um, in correspondence with her to get the exact language. I was able to find the previous executive order, which extended the moratorium through the end of 2022, and that expired by a date certain. Um, so 
if it, the current extension is consistent with that, then it would be to a date certain March 31st of this year. Um, this is all to say I'm currently working with um, Ms. Long to try and um, positively verify the exact answer to the to the question presented as to the exact date, and I'm hoping to provide that as soon as possible momentarily. Okay. Well, what we'll do is we'll we'll bring it back uh, at the end of the agenda to allow you to gather that information, colleagues. Is there any objections? We'll do so. All right. Seeing none. Um, Mr. Chair. Um, Dr. Powers. I, I'm sure you were just going to say this, but you recess probably to wouldn't. the call of the chair. Yeah, to recess to the call of the chair. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. That was me. <laughs> yeah, well, I was right on it. So we shall recess to the call of the chair. Thanks, Dr. Powers. Uh, we will still recess, and to be specific, we shall recess the 1025 public hearing to the call of the chair. We'll bring it back again, colleagues, at the end once they have that information. All right. On to uh, line, unfinished business, line item 6.1. Line item 6.1 is, oh, better yet, let's, uh, if we can take colleagues, line item 6.1 through line item 6.3, is there a motion to discuss? So moved. Thank you. Line item 6.1 through 6.3 are all contracts related to the Detroit Landlord Tenant Legal Council. Uh, I do know that there were a number of questions that were raised by colleagues. This was a contract, these contracts came to us during the recess period. And I know that member Callaway did request for these items to be held. My understanding uh, is that the responses came back pretty late and uh, have not had an opportunity to fully thoroughly go through them and potentially have additional questions as a result. But instead of me talking, I will turn the floor over to member Callaway uh, for your disposition. Um, good morning, I'm Pro Tem Tate, and to my colleagues, uh, Member Durhall and Member Johnson. Um, yes, we um, held these contracts during the recess. We also had questions that we submitted. We received those um, answers to the questions last night after 7.30 p.m. My staff and I have not had an ample opportunity to review those answers to those questions, so I respectfully request that all of the contracts pertaining to this line item be um, held until another week or so to give me an opportunity to review the answers. Thank you, Pro Tem. Okay. And Member Cowell, just to make sure we kind of move these items forward, you, will you be in contact with the the, the department um, in between next week as well? So we may even be able to move them next week, but I, I would hate for us to have another week where we're not having any resolution on where these particular yeah. items go. Um, thank you, Pro Tem. It would have been um, um, my hope that we would have gotten these before we went to recess or afterwards. But to have these type of the magnitude of these contracts to be sent through during recess is not giving me an op it didn't give me an opportunity to do any research. So we just got the answer, sir, after 7.30 p.m. last night. I'm hoping that I can go through the answers that we received and be satisfied with those responses, hopefully within a week. Thank you, um, Pro Tem. Thank you. Colleagues, uh, member vice chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And, and uh, while I share our, our colleague's sentiment, I, I don't think I have a problem with bringing this back, but I do have a couple questions relative to the nature of these contracts uh, because they are in such landlord-tenant in nature. Uh, and I don't know if we have someone online that can answer this, but how many cases may that affect that are currently in court, um, particularly if we're talking about evictions um, and, and folks obviously already have maybe set court dates. Um, is there any 
you know, is there anything that will be affected by this if we continue to hold this up? Uh, do we have any idea? Um, and, and again, I, I don't have a problem bringing it back so uh, everyone can do their due diligence uh, and research on these contracts, but just want to ensure that what this is set up or who this is set up to assist, they're not affected in any way. Thank you, sir. I see we do have uh, some folks joining us panel on the panel. Uh, anyone want to respond to that question for member vice chair? Um, through the chair, good morning uh, to member vice chair. My name is Chelsea Neblett. I am the program director for housing services in the housing revitalization department. We do currently have um, 571 cases that are in process. The DLTLC program, which these contracts are related to, are related to Sarah COVID-19 emergency rental assistance. So for residents who have a Sarah application that also have an eviction case um, that need legal representation to uh, resolve the eviction. So rental assistance being processed um, and paid, but also need a conditional dismissal or dismissal to resolve the eviction. And if we were to, pardon me, through you, Mr. Chair, if we were to hold this up for a week, uh, will it affect any of those residents? Uh, Would it have a negative impact for any of those residents that are currently have, you know, I, I think you said 541 are on the docket right now or in process? Would that have any effect on them negatively if we were to hold this back for one week? So we are um, requesting through the chair, apologies, we are requesting time only extensions um, in part uh, due to um, MISHTA, uh, the Michigan State Housing and Development Authority, extending the SARA processing deadline. And so we will not be assigning any new cases um, while the, the contracts are proceeding. And I also have with me uh, Valerie McIntosh, who is our Sarah EREP uh, program manager. And through you, Mr. Chair, just really quick, I, I do see 6.2 as well uh, as 6.3. There is no funding amount because those are time extensions, but I believe 6.1 has a contract increase amount of $50,000. Through the chair, um, so we have uh, had these contracts brought uh, brought to um, City Council in front of City Council to do an amount amendment, um, and Mr. Hassan Merhi did not receive that increase with the um, previous contracts. So this uh, amount increase would bring it aligned with the additional DLTLC contracts. Does that mean you're zeroing out, or it's just time only? What, what? Oh, apologies um, for the clarity. So there, the 6.1 does have an increase. The additional two are for time only. Turn to vice chair. Okay, and, and again, I kind of touched on my question or answered my question, but not is going to negatively impact any of those folks who are on the docket before we bring this back. Well, is one week going to jeopardize them not being evicted, them getting access? Uh, to service or not because I, I and again I understand that two of these are time extension only saying that these services will be provi- provided but one of them has a contract increase of fifty uh, $50,000 and with that uh, you know if say that person has 200 of these cases and say well I haven't had the contract increase so for this week I'm not going to provide the service not to say that's going to happen but I'm saying will it will it affect anyone that is in the pipeline right now I'm going to defer uh, to my program manager, Valerie. I do not believe uh, that Mr. Hassan is at risk of being overspent on his contract. But Valerie, if you could please confirm. 
Um, yes, um, to Chair Pro Tem Tate and Council members, he is not at risk um, at this time, but we do want to bring that in alignment with the rest of the DLTLC attorneys. Okay, thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. So, colleagues, is there a motion to bring back line item 6.1? Oh, I'm sorry, Member Johnson. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Just wanted to ask a quick question. Um, Ms. Nebla indicated that these items were being funded through Sarah, but within our information, it says 100% ARPA funding. Um, can you clarify that? Through the chair uh, to member Johnson. Um, so the, the CERA and ERAP program actually had two different federal funding sources, one of which was ARPA, but these funds are um, as a part of our ERAP award that came directly to the city of Detroit, which is the emergency rental assistance program. And so are you saying that this information will be changed? Is ERAP a part of ARPA? I, I do see that Sonia is on, and I would like to ask uh, OCP for clarification if, if possible. Hi, good morning. Sonia Clifton, an Office of Contracting Procurement. Yes, uh, ARPA funds are what we use for the ERAP program through the chair. My apologies. And um, through you, Mr. Chair, was the DLTLC program previously funded with ARPA funding? Through the chair to uh, member Johnson, correct. It has been the same funding source um, since October 21 when the program launched. Okay, thank you. And this, this particular program, because I know there was some discussion about right to counsel and um, the holdup of right to counsel moving forward, um, this particular program continuing to move forward to go through the cases that you currently have will not have any impact on implementing right to counsel and moving that forward. Through the chair to member Johnson, uh, right to counsel is a separate initiative that is not a part of Detroit Landlord Tenant Legal Counsel Program. Uh, DLTLC legal representation is solely related to Sarah rental assistance. So we are only providing legal services to residents that have Sarah rental assistance applications, as well as court hearings. We receive the referrals directly from legal services that are on the docket, but it is not related to right to counsel. Thank you so much for that. I do understand that there are two separate programs, but I'm wondering if anyone can provide clarity on um, right to counsel moving forward um, in collaboration with this particular program. Through the chair to member Johnson, um, the DLTLC program will end when the Sarah program ends. We stopped accepting applications um, in July and are finishing, finishing processing about the last 3,000 rental assistance applications. Regarding right to counsel, I would defer to the law department. Attorney Anderson, I think that might be you. Or Attorney Long, I didn't see you there. You snuck in on us. Yes, sir. If Corporation Counsel is is still waiting, I apologize. If Corporation Counsel is still waiting, um, he would be the most appropriate person to speak to this particular matter. Member uh, Vice Chair. 
Thank you, Mr. Chair. I just would like to note that the right to counsel discussion is going to be happening in the Budget Finance and Audit Subcommittee. We have that in the pipeline for our agenda, and we will have be having a robust discussion on where we are in the process relative to funding and where the program is. Uh, and Corporation Council, at that time when we set it on the agenda, will take part and participate in that discussion. So did want to note that. Might want to notice it for a quorum. Yes, sir. I believe it will be that day. All right. So, so do we know if uh, Corporation Council is coming or, or no? I know his name has been mentioned quite a few times. Um, Tanya Long on behalf of the Law Department. I believe that, that um, Corporation Council Mallet was online with the expectation that he was going to speak at the 1030 public hearing on the, the zoning matter. I am uncertain if he's still online, if this is a question um, that we can delay. I'll be very happy to text Nancy, his secretary, and see if he would be able to either jump back on or come down and answer that question. Okay. Member Johnson. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Chair. Considering that we are bringing this back in one week and then there will be a discussion in BFNA, I am all set to move forward with uh, the one week bring back. All right. Thank you. Thank you. So, colleagues, is there a motion to bring back line items 6.1 through 6.3 in one week? So moved. Seeing no objections, those actions shall be taken. Thank you. Line item 6.4. Let me scroll down. There we go. Okay. Line item 6.4, submitting contract number 60040. 4-6, grant funding, and it's an amendment to provide an extension of time and an increase of funds for housing and financial counseling for CHN Housing Partners. Is there a motion to discuss, please? So moved. Thank you. Um, again, will the parties who are participating please queue up? But I know that, want to also note that this item was held by member Whitfield Calloway during the recess period as well. And uh, Member Calloway, would you like to speak on it? Um, thank you, um, um, Pro Tem Tate. We have received our answers to our inquiries, and um, I am um, willing to release this. And thank you very much. Thank you. Colleagues, any additional questions regarding line item 6.4? Seeing none, is there a motion? I move to take line item 6.4 and send a formal with a recommendation to approve, Mr. Chair. You know, I'm, uh, before we move forward, I do, I do have a question here. My apologies. I withdraw my motion. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's first day back. Sorry. Um, so I know we have uh, Mr. Mahoney there. Good afternoon. Uh, good morning. We're still morning. Uh, doesn't CHN have a local office here? And But we don't see the local office mentioned in the uh, contract language. That is correct. For this uh, particular contract, which uh, we originally did um, back uh, early in the, the uh, pandemic with CDBG-CV uh, dollars, um, use their corporate headquarters in Cleveland, uh, but they do have a local office at, at 2625 Gratiot, um, at Gratiot and Shane uh, that has a significant uh, staff presence of, uh, of uh, team members of 10 and growing um, so they do have a, a very strong Detroit presence. Okay, thank you. All right, Member Vice Chair, my apologies. I just had to get that one on the record. No problem, Mr. Chair. Uh, move to send line item 6.4 to formal with the recommendation to approve. 
There's a motion to send line item 6.4 to formal with a recommendation to approve. Any objections? Seeing none, that action shall be taken. Line item 6.5, contract, status of contract and procurement, submitting contract number 6004588, 100% ARPA funding, small business support COVID-19 resource. resource. Uh, this is an amendment. Uh, is there a motion to discuss, please? So moved. Thank you. Do we have anyone here who can provide information on this one? And I would like to note that member Callaway held this particular item during the recess period. Um, but before I go to the panel, I'd like to turn to member Callaway. Okay. Yeah, um, thank you. Um, thank you, um, Pro Tem Tate. I just had questions about the increase of the scope of services for this particular contract. This is a $9 million contract and it goes through to um, 2026. If there's anybody online through the chair um, that can give me more information ab about this particular contract, um, I'm willing to release the whole, but I just never got any information. Because it appears that this, oh, you're looking for the scope. Mm -hmm. yeah. Gotcha, because mm -hmm. yeah, this is zero. Uh, anyone who can provide that information, raise your hand, please, and we'll call on you. Uh, Shara, Shara, Ms. Hainsworth. Good morning. Good morning. Um, yes, through the chair. Um, so this contract uh, was, uh, we had to make some modifications to the scope. Um, we were able to get approved, this agreement approved uh, in late July of last year. Unfortunately, we uh, received some updated treasury guidance right after uh, the agreement was approved. And so our consultants did have to take some time to go back and review that guidance that we received, um, which uh, in essence made um, a financial assistance program that is in the contract, that is in the agreement um, non-compliant. And so we made changes to the scope in order to bring the program back into compliance under treasury so that we would not um, have any issue with ARPA um, when we came down for any type of review. And so that's why the change was made and why we are requesting them. Thank you, Pro Tim Tate. Okay. Um, so I know you, you, you had held the item. Do you have any additional questions? or? I don't have any additional questions, Pro Tim Tate. Okay. Okay. All right, colleagues, any additional questions? Member Johnson. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, I was corresponding with um, Nicole Sherrard Freeman in regards to this particular line item, and I just want to ask for clarity on this particular contract, and I'm not sure if she's available. Uh, there was another contract, uh, 6004582, that was very similar, uh, and just wanted to put on record the difference between the two contracts. Right, do we have anyone yes. to answer their question? Yes, through the chair. Uh, the major differences between those two agreements are that uh, the one ending in 8-2, uh, that agreement is a program that focuses on serving uh, businesses that are coming into creation, so not necessarily already set up yet. Um, and this 
agreement focuses on businesses that are existing in an ecosystem um, and specifically focusing on providing them some type of relief and assistance to make sure um, that they are able to recover following uh, the pandemic. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Any further colleagues? Seeing none, is there a motion? Move to send line item 6.5 to formal with the recommendation to approve, Mr. Chair. There's a motion to send line item 6.5 to formal with the recommendation to approve. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Thank you. Line item 6.6, .6, status of Council President Pro Tem James Tate submitting memorandum relative to employment data uh, for tax abatement approved projects. Uh, colleagues, uh, the administration is requesting a two-week bring back on this particular item because so we want to uh, get the correct information. And so we're requesting a uh, two-week bring back on line item 6.6. .6. Is there a motion? Move to take line item 6.6 .6 and bring back in two weeks. There's a motion to bring back line item 6.6 .6 in two weeks. Seeing no objection, that action shall be taken. Thank you, colleagues. Line item 6.7, status of Council Member Mary Waters submitting memorandum relative to requests for a report relative to low-income housing tax credit funding. Uh, we did have an opportunity to speak to Member Waters' staff, and they're requesting a one-week bring-back on this item. Colleagues, is there a motion? Move to bring back line item 6.7 in one week. There's a motion to bring back line item 6.7 in one week. Seeing no objection, that action shall be taken. Let's go with line items 6.8 and 6.11. Colleagues, if we can take those two together, is there a motion to discuss? So moved. Thank you. Uh, line item 6.8, status of Council President Mary Sheffield submitting memorandum relative to Brewster Wheeler Recreation Center update. And then we drop down to line item 6.11, status of Council President uh, Mary Sheffield submitting memorandum relative to request for square footage report for all housing projects, including NEZ certificate applications, pilot programs, and abatements. Um, we did have an opportunity to speak with Council President's office on both of those items, and there was a request to receive and file. Uh, is there a motion, colleagues? Move to receive and file line item 6.8 and 6.11. There's a motion to receive and file line items 6.8 and 6.11. Seeing no objections. That action shall be taken. Line item 6.9, status of council member Angela Whitfield Calloway submitting memorandum relative to property inventory. Uh, is there a motion to discuss, please? So moved. Uh, member Calloway. Um, yes, um, thank you, um, Pro Tem Tate. Um, I request that this be um, received and filed, this memorandum. Line item 6.9? Yes. There's a motion to receive and file line item 6.9. Pardon me. Uh, I have to make the motion, Mr. Chair. I move. I mean, to, I move to receive. I'm sorry. Line so six point nine. Brush the dust off. I don't want Dr. Powers popping pop right. up getting right, it. Right. So, uh, I move to receive and file line item six point nine. Sorry about that. There's a motion uh, to receive and file line item six point nine. Seeing no objection. Mr. Chair, I'm sorry. That action shall be taken. Uh, Member Calloway. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, we, I've just been informed that we've not received the um, inventory of the city-owned property. Um, we've not received that report from the administration yet. Okay. We've not received it. Okay. Mr. Chair, I move to reconsider 
uh, line, uh, the vote on line item 6.9. That's what was throwing me off because I re yeah. remember that you guys were looking for a two-week bring back. So is that what you're still looking for? Looking for the two-week bring back. Okay. Yes, pro temptate. So Member Callow is seeking a two-week bring back on line item 6.9. Is there a motion? Well, I move to reconsider line item 6.9 first. There's a motion to reconsider line item, the vote for line item 6.9. Any objection? Seeing none, that action shall be taken. Uh, is there a motion for line item 6.9? Move to bring Mr. back line Chair. item. Uh, Dr. Powers? You, you, of course, now have to um, move that it be received in file and vote that motion down, and then you do the two-week bring back. Because you're reconsidering the receive and file vote. Is there a motion to reconsider the vote to? No, I'm sorry, Mr. Chair. Apparently I didn't make myself clear. Um, the motion to reconsider has been made and you've announced it. Now the motion that should be made is uh, to receive and file the line item, at which point you will vote that motion down. Got you, yep. And then you will add the substitute motion to bring it back in two weeks. Colleagues, is there a motion to receive and file? Thank you, Dr. Powers. Is there a motion to receive and file line items 6.9? Uh, so moved. Any objections? Objection. Objection. Object. It appears that line item 6.9 has failed. Uh, to the clerk. Madam Clerk, did you register that? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Thank you. Now, colleagues, is there a motion uh, for line item 6.9? Move to take line item 6.9 and bring back in two weeks. Thank you. There's a motion to uh, bring back line item 6.9 in two weeks. See no objections. Those actions shall be taken. Thank you. Line item 6.10, status of council member Angela Whitfield Calloway, submitting memorandum relative to statement on developer accountability and enforcement. Um, is there a motion to discuss, please? So moved. Thank you. Member Calloway. Um, thank you, um, and I apologize for what just happened, um, um, but i also like to bring this back in two weeks if possible. We still have not received the information that I'm looking for. Okay. Thank you, Pro Tim Tate. There's a motion to bring back line item 6.10 in two weeks. Any, oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I move to bring back line item 6.10 uh, in two weeks, Mr. Chair. There's a motion to bring back line item 6.10 in two weeks. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Thank you. Line item 6.11, status of council. Nope, we did that one. Line item 6.13, status of legislative policy division submitting resolution authorization urging uh, change in state Mr. law. Chair. Madam Clerk. I'm sorry, you skipped 6.12? You, you just misquoted it, Mr. Chair. Oh, right. I, I said the wrong number? Yeah, it's, we're, yeah it ain't my day. We're on, no, it's okay. <laughs> we're on 6.12 and you were announcing it. You just said 6.13. Ah, uh, okay. Line out of 6.12. Thank you, sir. My apologies, y'all. I'm going to get there. Next week I'm going to be much better, I promise you. Status of the Legislative Policy Division. Uh, submitting resolution authorization for uh, a change in state law to exclude the Detroit Public Schools as uh, and the Detroit Public Library from tax abatements and tax captures. Is there a motion to discuss, please? 
So moved. Thank you. And we did have an opportunity to speak with uh, various entities, and there is a voluminous report that uh, most have not reviewed yet. And in order for us to have an intelligent conversation, we thought it would be wise to bring this item back in two weeks um, to allow for, uh, again, a, a real discourse and not just speaking on emotion and what we think is the case. So, colleagues, is there a motion to bring back line item 6.12 in two weeks? So moved. Motion to send, excuse me, to bring back line item 6.12 in two weeks. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Line item 6.13, status of council member Scott Benson submitting memorandum relative to fiscal impact statement report on exemption of the Detroit Public Library and Detroit Public Schools Community uh, District from TIF capture and tax abatement. Is there a motion to discuss, please? So moved. Thank you. In the past, we have uh, paired the, both of those items together, um, but I think in, in the interest of shortening our agenda on, on the paper, um, that this document will still be in play. Everyone has seen it, uh, and it will be referring to it in the discussions that we have moving forward. So uh, we did have an opportunity to speak with Member Benson's office, and he's fine with a receiving file on this item. Colleagues, is there a motion for line item 6.13? Move to receive and file line item 6.13. There's a motion to receive and file line item 6.13. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Line item 6.14, status of Council President uh, Mary Sheffield submitting memorandum relative to community lot endorsement. Uh, we did have an opportunity to speak with Council President's office, and they are requesting a two-week bring back on this particular item. Colleagues, is there a motion for line item 6.14? Move to bring back line item 6.14 in two weeks. There's a motion to bring back line item 6.14 in two weeks. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. On to new business, line item 7.1, Office of Contract and Procurement. Uh, colleagues, if we can please take line items 7.1 and 7.2 together. Uh, is there a motion to discuss, please? Move to take line item 7.1 and 2 together and discuss. Thank you. Line items uh, with the party who are participating uh, and have information on 7.1 and 7.2, uh, please queue up. Line item 7.1, contract number 6003196, grant funding. This is a second amendment to provide an extension of time and increase of funds for housing and economic counseling services. This is for contractor you snap back. Line item 7.2, contract number 6003-792, grant funding. This is amendment number one. Uh, this is to provide an extension of time and amendment to scope for training services. Uh, this is for Focus Hope. All right. Who do we have who will be joining us with this information? Don't see anyone on the screen yet. Uh, Mr. Singletary. Mr. Chair, we have uh, Ms. Hardy, uh, Ms. Kayla Perrin, and Mr. Gordon Pearson all have been asked to uh, accept the promotion invite. Okay. If they can, those individuals, please accept the promotion invite so we can move the meeting forward. Any questions on line item 7.1, colleagues? So I have a question on 7.2 for sure. Okay, so we'll wait until they come forward. 
Hello, this is Gordon Pearson. I can answer uh, any questions on line item 7.2. Mr. Pearson, if you can turn your camera on, please, it'll be helpful. Sorry, I'm having some issues. One second. And this is uh, Keegan Mahoney from HRD. Uh, I uh, am familiar with uh, for, uh, item 7.1. Oh, I just needed to questions on that one. Okay. Well, because uh, we are have a number of items still left. Uh, Member Johnson, uh, maybe Mr. Mahoney can answer your question. The floor is yours, ma'am. Thank you, Mr. Chair. My question is actually very simple. Um, USNAPBAG does a tremendous amount of work in District 4 and just wanted to find out if we capture the number of individuals that have been um, provided services to with this particular funding. Yes, we do. Uh, they uh, submit uh, their uh, service volume uh, information uh, to us as part of their monthly reporting. Um, I do not have that in front of me uh, now, but can provide uh, an update on that uh, uh, to you. Um, all of our housing counseling agencies uh, use a single uh, data reporting platform um, so we can, in real time, uh, get a, a look at the service volume and, and resolution and effectiveness of, of these agencies and, and would be happy to pull a report on this one. That would be appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Uh, my question is for line item 7.2. Uh, in the description, it indicates that uh, this program is being made available to Detroit residents and Metro Detroit residents. Uh, I know this is for an extension of time only, and uh, it may have gotten past me the first time it came before us, but wh why, are we, why is this program uh, geared toward uh, Detroiters and Metro Detroiters as well, uh, seeing that it's coming uh, from the city of Detroit's funds. Hello, through the chair, this is Gordon Pearson. Um, the program is available to city of Detroit residents. Um, the NOF funded program only funds uh, city of Detroit residents. Well, looking at the language again in the contract, it indicates that it is open. Uh, let me go back down to it. Uh, vendors shall provide 75 individuals from the Detroit and Metro, Metro Detroit area with work readiness and technical training necessary to obtain credentials within logistics and commercial trucking industry. So that's what I have in front of me. Uh, I totally understand and get Detroiters, but I'm not understanding uh metro detroit yeah that's a description of the overall program uh through folks hope um but the the portion of the program that's funded by nof only allows for city of detroit residents uh, to participate and be reimbursed for that portion of the program okay how, how, how can we verify I'm, I'm always a trust but verify kind of person how do we verify that the organization is required to submit uh, demographic information that includes um, addresses for 
uh, individuals that are a part of the program. Okay, would you be able to provide this if this item is approved out of the committee today to this body by Monday, which will allow us to review it before it comes before the full body on Tuesday? Yes, and the program, um, the program hasn't received a notice to proceed, so they wouldn't have the information, but I can definitely provide you with um, the information that we collect, um, meaning the demographic uh, exhibits that we collect, the forms. Okay. And then my other question is, is this program associated with uh, either Jumpstart or Detroit at Work? No, not that I'm familiar with. Okay. Colleagues, any additional questions? Seeing none, is there a motion? Move to take line item 7.1 and 7.2 and send a formal with the recommendation to approve. There's a motion to approve and send line item 7.1 and 7.2 to formal with a recommendation to approve pending the requested information in line item 7.2. Seeing no objections, those actions shall be taken. Thank you. Line item 7.3. Submitting resolution authorization for contract number 6003922, 100% grant funding, amendment number three, to provide an extension of time and increase of funds to continue COVID shelter operations to individuals and families experiencing homelessness. Is there a motion to discuss and or approve line item 7.3? Uh, I have no questions about 7.3. I move to send line item 7.3 to formal with a recommendation to approve. There's a motion to send line item 7.3 to formal with a recommendation to approve. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Colleagues, if we can please take line items 7.4 and 7.6 together. Both are bridging neighborhood contracts. Is there a motion to discuss line item 7.4 and 7.6? So moved. Thank you. Line item 7.4, contract number 6004931, grant funding to provide property rehabilitation for the uh, at the bridging neighborhoods property located at 14010 Pinewood and dropping down to line item 7.6 submitting re resolution authorization for contract number 6004868 again 100% city funding to provide full renovations uh, for property located at 15246 Seymour as well as 13527 Fenelon. Is there uh, so we're in discussion colleagues any questions concerns regarding this particular item these items member Johnson thank you mr. chair I'm just looking at these two items I know mr. Razo is doing uh, a lot of these rehab rehabbing a lot of properties with this program um, I'm noticing that these two contractors are outside of the city of Detroit. Um, have you, do you feel as though you have fully gone through the process? I know we have a lot of Detroiters that provide this type of service. And so I'm wondering if, if you have just overwhelmed them with work and, and now you have to find contractors outside of the city of Detroit. Can you talk to me a little bit about the uh, vetting process and how these contractors were selected. Yes, through the chair, uh, Rico Raza, director of Bridging Neighborhoods here. 
Um, we currently have about 16 houses that are under construction all over the city. And on those properties, uh, right now we have, I believe, four or five Detroit-based contractors that have one or multiple properties. A um, few of those contractors are just not eligible to bid on houses based on the capacity that they have right now. And um, on both of these bid walks, I believe we had a few contractors that were Detroit-based that attended. They just did not submit a bid for the work. Uh, some of the contractors feel that our prices are uh, a little too low and their profit margin isn't there for what they normally do. Um, and so that's why uh, some, some of the Detroit-based contractors, I know that's the feedback we've received as to why they haven't been bidding on uh, some of the work that we've put out. Um, these two contractors that... Uh, were awarded these contracts, uh, attend on a regular basis. I think um, CTI has been attending bid walks for probably the last two years. They've, they've been a no bid um, or have bidded outside of the range on a few of the houses. And uh, this would be their first property that they would receive in our program after attending bid walks for a few years. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, and I will continue to encourage folks that I know who can do this type of work to, um, you know, join, um, to connect with the city of Detroit and, and start to bid on these opportunities. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Uh, there's a, is there a motion for line, uh, any additional questions rather for line item six, 7.4 and 7.6? Seeing none, colleagues, is there a motion? Move to take line item 7.4 and 7.6 and send to formal with the recommendation to approve. There's a motion to send line to approve line item 7.4 and 7.6 and send to formal with the recommendation to approve. See no objections. That action shall those actions shall be taken. Thank you. Line item 7.5 submitting resolution authorization contract number 6004876. 100% ARPA funding to provide owners representative services to assist associations reach organizations, excuse me, reach ADA compliance. Is there a motion to discuss, please? So I'll move. Thank you. Uh, who do we have that will be able to provide us information on this particular item? Have on our list here, Mrs. Salvatore, I believe it is. Hi, John Salvatore here, uh, Economic Development Specialist with HRD. Good afternoon, sir. If we can talk to the uh, telepublic what this item is. Sure. So this is uh, a contract with uh, for DeSema LLC, a Detroit-based organization, to provide owner's representative services to nonprofits within the city of Detroit that uh, are going to need facility upgrades for uh, accessibility improvements to be ADA compliant. Okay. Uh, any additional questions or any questions, colleagues? I have a few. All right. My question is, what, what type of housing developments are we talking about uh, as it relates to this particular contract supporting? Uh, particularly non-permanent housing services, uh, homeless shelters, veteran services centers, things of that nature, places of that nature. So housing, you said temporary housing, well, any, any commercial properties? 
No, no commercial properties. Okay. And how many properties were identified? Uh, the properties have not been identified yet. They're, we're going to put out an opportunity for organizations within the, within the city to apply for uh, owner's wrap services. Do we have a, a, an estimate of what we believe that number would look like? Uh, we're expecting several, probably over 10. Over 10? Yeah. Under how many? Uh, we don't have a definite number, but uh, I guess I can't speak to to the ceiling on it. Okay. Um, and is this program only open to, or is it open only to Detroit residents or to whomever? Uh, well, organizations that are providing these type of services to Detroit residents. So they have to have a public facility within the city boundaries and serve city residents. Thank you. Colleagues, any additional? Seeing none, is there a motion for line item 7.5? Move to take line item 7.5 and send a formal with a recommendation to approve. There's a motion to send line item 7.5 to formal with a recommendation to approve. Any objections? Seeing none, that action shall be taken. Thank you so much. All right, I just have been uh, alerted that Attorney Long would like to address this body uh, on the 1025, the questions that were remaining on the 1025 public hearing. I would like to bring back to order the 1025 public hearing. Um, Attorney Long. Thank you, sir. First, I'd like to apologize for my delay in making it up here. The Attorney Long, can you was... pull that microphone towards you? I think that's the issue. Is that better? Not really. Well, you I might want be... to try that. I can, I can be loud. Okay, Is that better? <laughs> All right. Um, I first would like to apologize in the amount of time it took me to get up here to not be able to answer the questions at the initial time of the public hearing. But I believe the answer to the question, as I understood it as I was watching my computer, was um, whether or not there was a necessity to have an effective date on the zoning ordinance, given that the moratorium itself is written upon the, the enactment of the ordinances, um, or March the 31st, whichever is sooner. And I would propose to this committee that the zoning ordinance and the regulatory ordinances, the amendments that are before you for chapters 9, Set, uh, 9, 18, 41, and 46, while related to each other, are separate. They do not need to be tie-barred. I do not believe that there's any reason the zoning ordinance would need to be made effective on a, a particular date, given these regulatory ordinances are on a bit of a different track, but are on track to come before this honorable body before the 31st of March. And the way the moratorium is written is that all of the above described ordinances, that's a zoning ordinance, and then the chapters I've, I've, I've mentioned are specifically named in the executive order, and all of those would need to be enacted prior to March 31st. Um, and that's what would lift the moratorium, or it would go until March 31st. Um, and, and so I, I believe the answer is the zoning ordinance may go forward um, as is anticipated. The regulatory ordinances on those other four chapters are shortly behind. And once those are considered, um, that would be what would lift the moratorium. Questions? So I guess ultimately, if are we 
Are you recommending that we put a date or leave it as it is? I do not believe, I, I would propose to this body that a, a date is not necessary, that the, the moratorium will be um, lifted when the effective date of the second set of ordinances comes to fruition. So upon the publication of those four regulatory ordinances that are acting after this, um, it, it would be lifted at that time because at that point, all five ordinances that are referenced in the executive order have been considered and enacted by this body, or they're not. And, the, and then that's something else entirely. This doesn't presume that it allows for it. Got it. Uh, let's see, uh, Mr. Todd's hand raised. Mr. Todd? Director. Thank you, Mr. President Pro Tem. If I may, through you to Ms. Long, just to ask for further clarity, understanding what she said with regard to the ordinance, would there be any need, ordinances rather, would there be any need to give any special or different instruction to the clerk in terms of publication in order that the public is fully aware of the circumstance? If I may respond to Mr. Todd's question through the chair, while these ordinances are related to each other, they are not dependent upon each other. And I don't believe that there does need to be, Mr. Todd, any special um, publication considerations on these two matters. There is no reason why the zoning ordinance could not become effective prior to the regulatory portions of the ordinance and things go smoothly. They really are to address very specific and very different um, parts of this particular regulation. Thank you. All right, comments. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Any, you're very welcome. Any additional questions, comments, concerns? All right, Member Vice Chair. I'd like to take, uh, make a motion to uh, take line item five uh, and send to formal with a recommendation to approve. There's a motion to send line item five to formal with a recommendation to approve. Any objections? Seeing none, that action shall be taken. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you as well. All right, line item 7.7, .7, submitting resolution authorization for contract number 6004. Zero. Mr. Chair. Uh, Doctor. Oh, I didn't close out the. I didn't close it out. There you go. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> this now closes out uh, the line on the five, the ten twenty-five public hearing. Do it again for the record. All right. Thanks again, Doctor Powers. Line item 7.7, .7, submitting resolution authorization for contract number 6004032, 100% ARPA funding, amendment number one, to provide an extension of time and increase of funds for an additional maintenance and engineering support for affordable housing navigation tool. Is there a motion to discuss and or approve? Move to discuss. There's a motion to discuss, Member Vice Chair. I yield to Member Johnson. Member Johnson, floor is yours, ma'am. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Just wanted to um, get an idea of any the added benefit, or if someone can just share what this tool provides. Through the chair, uh, this is Keegan Mahoney with the Housing and Revitalization Department. Um, this tool, uh, which is uh, called Detroit Home Connect, uh, is a, a website um, that provides increased accessibility of information uh, and transparency of information to residents about affordable housing opportunities in the city of Detroit. Um, I will note that the um, the tool is, is live uh, at homeconnect.detroitmi.gov. Um, and uh, the idea here um, is that we are, of course, as a city, putting millions of dollars into the development and preservation of affordable housing. 
um, and there are more than 23,000 affordable housing units in the city of Detroit. Um, but we've heard from uh, a number of residents and, and community organizations that it is difficult to identify those affordable housing opportunities um, and get the information necessary uh, to determine whether uh, you're eligible for those properties and the information about how you would go about uh, securing a unit in one of those properties. Um, so uh, we launched this tool really to try to uh, mimic the high quality experience that uh, people expect through uh, some of the commercial websites like apartments.com and zillow.com, uh, um, but uh, directed exclusively to affordable housing uh, in the city of Detroit. Um, and so uh, this tool was was launched, I uh, encourage uh, uh, everyone to, to look at the site and and um, and and get a sense of those uh, what it does and, and what the the housing assets uh, uh, um, on that website um, uh, contain a um, lot of a community engagement went into understanding what information uh, gaps exist and and what features of the site would be helpful uh, to residents um, and are, are really proud of of the tool that we've put forth um, the amendment is um, uh, for our uh, technology contractor, Exigy uh, Inc., um, is a uh, does not represent an overall cost increase in the budget of the project. It really represents a, a shifting of uh, the implementation model uh, to uh, bring this uh, to continue the the improvements uh, and maintenance on this site. Um, the original concept was a uh, kind of split uh, uh, duties between uh, the vendor, Exigy Inc and uh, an intention to bring on uh, some uh, engineering, uh, software engineering positions uh, through the, um, the TAS ARPA hiring process uh, to support this project um, with changes to the labor market and uh, the, the evolving uh, needs of this project. Um, we determined that it's uh, not a viable path to try to bring on the uh, the engineering staff in-house um, to continue to um, improve and, and maintain and, and deliver this site. And our uh, advancing this uh, amendment request to um, increase the, the scope of the contractor through the duration of the three-year period um, so that all of the necessary uh, security and engineering and maintenance and uh, design work um, will be done uh, through uh, Exigy Inc. Thank you. Uh, the site looks nice. Um, I just want to continue to encourage HRD to make sure that we're intentional about um, including information that is useful for all Detroit residents of varying income levels. Uh, and so I know there has to be some intentionality about what's on this site uh, and how we determine affordability um, for Detroit residents. So thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Any additional questions, colleagues? Seeing none, is there a motion? Move to take the line item send the formal with a recommendation to approve. There's a motion to send line item 7.7 .7 to formal with a recommendation to approve. Any objections? Seeing none, that action shall be taken. Thank you. Line item 7.8, submitting resolution authorization request to request and accept and appropriate the Tactical Preservation Design Days grant. Is there a motion to discuss, please? So moved. Thank you. Uh, for this particular item, 
just a quick question of wait till the person comes forward. Good afternoon. Please introduce yourself for the record. Hi, good afternoon. I'm Sue Burrows with the planning department. Thank you for joining us. Um, can you just talk briefly to the public on what this project is? I mean, there's a this is a grant, and usually a grant is a no-brainer, just receive the money, but this one is a 50-50 match. So a um, little bit more yes. added to it. So talk to us just briefly about what this grant is for. Of course. Good afternoon and, and to the chair. Uh, this grant was considered and approved by the council back in July um, at that time, indicating that the match we were to provide would be um, an additional $30,000 to the $30,000 of the NEA grant. And that would be um, provided through the time and salary funding of the planner who is assigned as project manager for the grant. Um, in submitting the uh, request for your approval in July, we uh, neglected to enter an, a, an accurate account string for that salary. The planner involved is paid out of CDGB funds currently. And because you cannot use federal funds as a match for a federal grant, we have had to uh, correct her salary funding and um, so the account string so that this grant is matched out of general fund dollars. Got it. Thank you. And, no, go, you, you, you may proceed. And I'm sorry, I was just going to, to answer the, the other part of your question, which was that this grant is intended to revitalize um, a vacant school at 13,000 to Quinder um, through arts programming that uh, engages local residents so that they have the benefit both of arts uh, education and activity and have an opportunity to see what a partial rehab of a vacant structure in their community would look like if used as a community center. Got it. So the, again, we approved this back in July. What, what's the status of it at this point? Um, grants has said that we need to resubmit it for your approval because of the amended account string. When, when do you all identify that we had this issue? I mean, we're talking six months now, though. Yes, I believe that um, this was a, a slowdown because of attempts to reconcile the budget internally and also to uh, ensure that the costs within the budget for the grant were accurate. Okay, what's if this is approved today, what's our timeline on actually making a move on it? It remains the same as granted with the original grant. The arts programming and design days that are proposed will still happen this year, and the grant will conclude by the end of the calendar year, fully spent. Okay. And then my last brief question is, how, how was this particular school chosen uh, out of all the schools in the city, vacant schools in the city? Yeah, I, I apologize that I'm not the project manager for this, and I don't have the specific answer to that question, but I do believe the selection came out of the exhaustive analysis of vacant public schools owned by the city that was conducted by our uh, historic development department or division, and um, that the, the school was considered a good match because of the um, engagement of the local residents. I'm, I'm presuming that I can come back to you with a more official answer. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, we'll, we'll touch base offline. Um, 
with that particular okay. request. Colleagues, is there a motion for line item 7.8? Move to send line item 7.8 to formal with a recommendation to approve. There's a motion to send line item 7.8 to formal with a recommendation to approve. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Thank you. Thank line, you. Line item 7.9, submitting report relative to response to request relating to Coda Brush Park Brownfield Redevelopment Project. Uh, is there a motion to discuss, please? So moved. Thank you. This item came before us, or the issue came before us, um, as a result of member uh, Whitfield Calloway having some questions about uh, the way that the developer uh, moved forward with the project. Uh, there was a concern about a particular carriage house, and uh, mm -hmm. the developer came forward and provided us with his particular timeline. Uh, the what we've received now is a, another timeline from the uh, Brownfield Redevelopment <clears throat> uh, Court, and I do know that there was a, an additional request made to the law department for a report. Um, but I will turn over to Member Calloway. Floor is yours. Um, thank you, um, Pro Tem Tate. We did receive um, a uh, response. Um, dated January 5th. I just received it today in my hand. I've had an opportunity to read it. The responses what it, are what I anticipated, um, and I'm hoping that we can still bring the developer before this honorable body because I do not believe that um, developers um, who receive a um, tax abatement um, for a project, a brownfield redevelopment project, based on renderings that we all saw, um, and mid, not even midway between the initial um, start of the project, we find out, because I have a staff member who was on an e-scooter going home, noticed that the um, carriage house um, was being demolished. I believe that developers who come before this honorable body and provide renderings, um, and we base our decision on those renderings, once the developer finds out that there are some um, compromising um, items or um, some changes that may have to be made because of the condition of the property, once those changes are recognized, I believe that we should be notified immediately. And they proceeded to demolish um, the property, and we weren't aware of it. And had it not been for one of my staff members noticing the demolition of the property, we still wouldn't know. And so I just believe, even though, you know, as I anticipated, um, they side on the side of the developer, I do not. Um, and I only made my decision, I cast my vote, because I thought we were going to, tr uh, to try to preserve a historic piece of property in this city. We have a habit of um, demolishing historic properties. We lose the value. Um, we lose, lose the history. You can't return the history. You can't restore the history. And that is exactly what happened to that carriage house. So, um, you know, there's nothing else for me to say. The, 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 the development has continued. There won't be any fines levied because according to the Brownfield Redevelopment um, Committee um, and our own um, staff that reports to us, I, I, I guess, they agree with the developer. And um, I just hope that there is some type of um, enforcement mechanism that we can put in place or some type of communication mechanism when something like this happens that this honorable body 
should be notified. They're quick to come before us and ask for these abatements, but not quick to come before us when things have, in my opinion, substantially changed from the renderings. And so I'm hoping that, you know, we can do something. I don't know if we need to put it in an ordinance. I don't know resolution, but something like this should never happen again. Um, we should be notified. Um, thank you, um, Pro Tem Tate. Thank you. So, Member Callaway, if, there, if that's a direction you want to go in, are you looking to create some amendments or some language? Absolutely. Um, and I'm working with my team. We have to because this shouldn't happen. Um, you come before these developers, come before this honorable body. We approve it based on the renderings based on the pictures, based on promises to preserve historic pieces of property. And when something's about to, in my opinion, substantially change from what we agreed to or approve, we should be notified. It's just a courtesy. And not to do so, in my opinion, is disrespectful to this body. We were never notified. And we would not have been notified on um, pro temptate had not my staff member drove on a scooter, rode past the site. When they found out, and I'm looking at this report, it's very detailed, they found out that there was going to be a problem back in April. They demolished the property in August. They had from April to August to notify this honorable body that there are some um, problems with this site. To me, they neglected to do so, and they should, have been, they should have been required to do so since they had to come to this council to get the approval for the tax abatement in the first place. So, you know, that's, 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 my, um, that's my commentary on that. That's my opinion on that. But... I'm hoping that um, moving forward, when something like this happens, there has to be some type of requirement for communication with this honorable body. That's just my, my request um, pro temptate. Yeah, I, I just want to definitely be fair, and thank you for that. I definitely want to be fair that based on the, what's been presented to us, it does coincide with what Mr. Oberbeck provided to us in his verbal statement, and it does appear that, though it may not have come to this body, there were different layers of... Uh, entities that he contacted to get approval that were necessary and required, though we were not part of that chain. Um, but he did go through the process to uh, get those approvals, and it doesn't appear that he went outside of that particular uh, scope of expectation. And someone correct me if I'm wrong. Um, sir, you have yes, any... Sir, through the chair, uh, I'm Garrick Landsberg of the Planning Department. Director of Historic Preservation and staff to the Historic District Commission. So I'm here to comment as necessary on the actions of the Historic District Commission. But uh, uh, Pro Tem Tate, you are correct that the, the applicant did submit a revised application to the Historic District Commission, which, of course, whose members are confirmed by this honorable body. The commission um, reviewed the structural engineer's report for this structure, and, and Council Member uh, Callaway, I would very much thank you for your championing of historic preservation. We're, we're deeply grateful for that. Um, I'm a state licensed architect myself. I went out to the site. I looked at the condition of the building. Um, we, as professional staff, did in this instance, unfortunately, agree with the developer and his professional's contention regarding the condition of the building as the project uh, commenced. Um, but we and, and the commission subsequently issued a notice to proceed f to allow that demolition in September. Uh, we do agree and, and suggest, as, as you have mentioned, ma'am, that adding an additional condition to the agreements to require the, the developers to come back to this honorable body would probably be advisable. Thank you. I'm happy to answer any additional questions. Thank you. Colleagues, any further? Um, um, thank you, Pro Tim Tate. Um, thank you, sir. Um, 
we have a commission, um, Janice Chapman here, and um, they work for us. And I would think, moving forward, Ms. Chapman, through the chair, that you would advise us when you see something like this happening. Um, we're quick to come here, developers are quick to come here, anxious to get here, to get these tax abatements. Um, and I call them Skittles and Starbursts because that's how we give them out around here. Um, but in this instance, we're talking about a historical piece of property. Um, I didn't get a chance to see it. I was not notified that it was about to be demolished. And then I'm looking at this very, very detailed report um, that um, you held meetings with the public. Um, this honorable body was not notified about any public hearings. Um, how many neighbors participated? I have nothing um, alluding to that, nothing, you know, leading, letting me know how many, you know, were able to voice their opinions in terms of the demolition of the property. And, I, you know, I don't want to go back and forth about it, but I'm just thinking in the future, um, pro tem tape, that when something like this happens, that we should be notified by our staff. So Thank you, it, pro is, tem is, tape. So you are working, you, are, you say you are working on some language that would be mandatory to make that happen? I'm hoping it'll be approved, it, you know, absolutely. Whether it gets approved or anything, I'm just yeah. looking yes. at the, the, yes, the, sir. the initiation of it. To answer your question, yes, sir. Okay, thank you. Uh, Dr. Chapman, good morning, thank you, or good afternoon, thank you for joining us. Thank you, um, <clears throat> Chair Protein Tate, and to, um, if I may clarify, to um, Councilwoman um, Callaway, we were not aware of this either. And, and so I think that we were not part of the public hearings or public meetings that may have been held. We, so I, I just want to, just for a point of clarification, in the future I think that, um, that in, in working conjunction with the HDC, our office will, you know, in the future make sure that we are um, a part of these kinds of discussions and invited, you know, and, and, I, and I'll talk to Garrett about that, about being invited to public um, meetings in regards to these kinds of matters. But um, when we, we got the same information you got at the same time that you got it, and, and I did reach out and asked about um, this, this proposed or this possible demolition of, of this carriage house in, in the um, Birch Park Historic District. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Um, so, Member Keller, I know that you have another request from the law department. Are you looking to hold this item until or bring it back? No, sir. Like we have Not looking to hold it. Thank you. Thank you. Colleagues, any additional on line item on this particular line item? 7.9. Member Vice Chair. Uh, I move that we send, or I'm sorry, I move that we receive and file line item 7.9. Thank you, sir. There's a motion to receive and file line item 7.9. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Thank you. Line item 7.10, uh, amendment to this is a submitting report and proposed ordinance to amend chapter 50 of the 2019 Detroit City Code zoning by amending article 17 zoning district maps section 50-17-41 map number 39 the parties who are participating please queue up and we have CPC is supposed to be leading this presentation. I see Mr. Todd, and if you can introduce yourself for the record, and you may proceed and tell us the public what this item is about. Certainly. Again, good afternoon, 
President Pro Tem, members of this honorable committee, Marcel Todd, Director, City Planning Commission, before you is requested rezoning for the Cadu Cafe. Mr. Roland Amartafeo of the staff is on board and available to provide you a very brief overview uh, and possibly dis display a map in order that people can see the location of this property. Good afternoon. Uh, proceed. Yeah. Good afternoon. Uh, thank you, Mr. Todd, and thank you, thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, this is Roland Matherfield with the City Planning Commission uh, staff. Um, so just to give a brief introduction of this uh, proposed rezoning, uh, this is for the Kaju Cafe um, located in District 4, uh, just off of Kaju Road. Um, I do have a map that I can display uh, with your permission. Lord, yours. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, so, yeah, this map shows the uh, location of Kaju Cafe, which is a uh, restaurant that has been um, operating for over 80 years um, in, in the Cornerstone and East English Village neighborhoods. Um, they have been operating under the um, residential zoning for their entire um, existence, um, even though they have been a business um, serving um, food as well as uh, with a indoor recreational component with feather bowling. Um, and they have requested for a rezoning to uh, the B4 general business distinction, zoning distinction, um, to align their current use with the um, zoning that would be most appropriate for uh, what they offer to the community. Um, so uh, I, if, if you have any questions about the um, proposed rezoning, I'm here to answer those. Um, and we're looking to uh, send this to formal uh, with uh, to set a public hearing and to introduce the ordinance. Thank you. Thank you. I know this is located in District 4. Member Johnson, any questions? Thank you, Mr. Chair. I'm very familiar with the complex. It's right around the corner from my house and have patronized them, was really surprised to see the zoning um, for what had been the parking lot. Um, and I've heard from a number of residents in the area. Um, I did watch the CPC session that they held, so I think I am all set to move it forward. Thank you. Thank you. Is there a motion to um, approve, excuse me, to introduce and set a public hearing? Motion. There's a motion to send a formal to set to uh, introduce and set a public hearing. Seeing no objections action shall be taken thank you thank you very much very welcome line item 7.11 submitting report and proposed ordinance to amend chapter 50 of the 2019 detroit city code zoning by amending article 17 zoning district maps section 50-17-6 district map number five as well as uh there's a number of items here so we can have motion to discuss line item 7.11 please so moved. Thank you. Number of parcels. Uh, CPC, what do we have in this particular item? Good afternoon. Jamie Murphy of City Planning Commission staff. Good afternoon. I do have a couple images. If I could share my screen, I think it'll be faster to explain. This one's a little more complicated than most. The floor is yours. Yes, please. Thank you. Um, so here is the current zoning map showing the area proposed to be rezoned in um, Hatched. Um, so this came in originally as a request to rezone 14 parcels from R2, R3, and SD1 
to SD1 to permit a mixed use development. Um, as you can see, it's uh, in the Woodbridge neighborhood near the intersection of Forest and Rosa Parks. Um, the parcels are owned by the Detroit Land Bank. Uh, they released a request for proposals or RFP to develop the parcels. And uh, the winner of the RFP had requested the rezoning as a first step in the process. Um, the City Planning Commission partnered on this rezoning request because when it came in as the 14 parcels, we realized um, they're outlined here in red, um, that if we didn't include the additional parcels in the block that are outlined in yellow, um, it would make for a very confusing zoning in that block. And so we consulted the property owners and they were okay with it. And so we went forward um, with this as the proposal. Um, as the proposal progressed, uh, we found out that the neighbor on the north side of Forest up here um, wasn't uh, opposed to the development, but did object to having a zero lot line uh, development um, right on their property line. So the, the proposal right now is to build a building right up to the forest lot line and the side lot line. Um, they're concerned that it, it doesn't really fit in with the existing uh, development in Woodbridge. There's not a lot of zero lot line developments. Um, they were also concerned about stormwater runoff. It's already a problem. This would probably exacerbate that. They were also concerned about how it would affect their property, especially during construction. Um, so they really wanted uh, a setback on, required on the, um, the new development. Um, here's a little bit closer view of that. So here is the area in yellow that's proposed to be rezoned. Um, and here's the neighbor here next door. Um, as a result of that, the City Planning Commission voted to recommend approval of the rezoning south of Forest, um, so the yellow block to be rezoned SD1. And then they also voted to rezone that north of Forest portion to R5, which is medium density residential, which would permit mixed use at that location, but it would also require setbacks. You couldn't do a zero lot line development. Um, the developer hasn't been incredibly happy with that situation. Um, but we felt like it was a good compromise between allowing the development, but also requiring a setback to accommodate the neighbor's concerns. Um, so we're here today to ask the public hearing be set and um, the developer and the neighbor are both on the call if you have any questions for them. You said the developer is on the call? Um, yes, R. Philip Lockwood. An opportunity to address the committee. Good afternoon. Please introduce yourself for the record. Afternoon. Uh, this is Philip Lockwood with XYZ Developments. I am the lead developer of this project. Right. Why is this necessary for you? Yes. Um, so SD1, uh, while it is termed special developments, I would argue that uh, it is not a particularly special designation. Uh, Woodbridge is a pre-automotive suburb, and so many of the homes have minimal setbacks. Just across the street, there are numerous buildings that are set zero feet off the lot lines. Uh, frequently, homes in this neighborhood are six feet apart, meaning a three-foot side setback. So pursuing SD1 is really giving us the leeway to design something that is contextually appropriate to this neighborhood. But probably more important than that is it opens the door to a productive, affordable housing component to this project. It's a scattered site, and it's a challenging site as a result of those setbacks. But SD1 will allow us to pursue low-income housing tax credit funding, and it'll allow us to bring 20% of the units of this project to Woodbridge at 50% AMI. So it really provides for the neighborhood. It makes it contextually appropriate, and it does make it mixed use. 
So that is why uh, I am requesting that uh, this honorable body reconsider CPC's vote and make a motion to amend uh, to, to approve SD1 on all 22 parcels of this petition. Thank you. Thank you. And I know we did have an opportunity to speak with member Santiago Romero's office and she did indicate that she was in support of this, uh, this amendment. Uh, so colleagues, is there any questions, concerns, comments regarding this particular item? Seeing none, is there a motion? I move to- Here. Uh, uh, Mr. Todd. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Thank you very much. Just wanted to indicate procedurally, now that the issue has been addressed by Mr. Lockwood and yourself, that should your honorable body wish to move forward, uh, you could most certainly request that the ordinance as drafted be amended to reflect the SD1 on the entirety of the proposed rezoning as Mr. Lockwood has requested, or you could advance the ordinance and introduce it as is and direct the clerk to send out the public notice indicating that uh, that northern property could be rezoned either to R5 or SD1, and that way allow for the reflect the request to be held uh, for the for the recommendation of the planning commission and the change requested by Mr. Lockwood and Councilmember Romero to be held, providing you then with the option of choosing one or the other. Uh, again, we would work with the clerk if you go in that direction. If in fact you want to have the ordinance changed. To reflect Mr. Lockwood's request, that means it would have to go back to the law department for uh, alteration before you could introduce it. All right, thank you for that, Mr. Todd. We may need to uh, to uh, repeat some of that because <laughs> it's first time was uh, first time I'm hearing a lot of that just now at the table. Uh, Member Vice Chair, thank you, Mr. Chair. And so, just for clarity, Mr. Todd, uh, before uh, we move, because I was going to move to amend it uh, as which was recommended. Are you suggesting that uh, if we move to amend it uh, now, it has to go back to the law department so that can, the language can be reflected? Yes, that is the case. The ordinance would need to be changed uh, and approved as to form again, which I imagine may not take very long. Again, Mr. Arking is on the phone. He might be able to indicate if that's something that could be done uh, in time for next week's formal. But again, alternatively, you can achieve the same end if you advance it as is and simply ask the clerk to notice it with both options. Okay, so and then at the time of the public hearing, you can make the determination which zoning district you wish to go with. Okay, so and so just so just so we're clear, uh, is that uh, the uh, let me how, how do I state this? Is that the method of least resistance uh, and a method that will allow it to, uh, if approved, uh, don't want to get ahead of ourselves, move faster uh, than the second or the latter? I, I, the providing the clerk or directing the clerk to provide the option in the public notice would be the simplest. Again, if in fact, the law department would be delayed in providing you with a, a revised ordinance. So it's, yes, it, so, it's my understanding that would be the simpler route, the shortest route. So we would, uh, just clarif clarification before I make the motion, 
uh, we would advance as is for the setting, and then that could be taken care of by the clerk and then reflected in a public hearing. Ed, again, through the chair, advance as is directing the clerk to prepare a public notice presenting both the R5 and the SD1 as options for that northern property. Okay. Uh, so I'd like to uh, make a motion uh, to send line item 7.10 to formal for the introduction and setting of a public hearing directing the clerk about the R, is it the R5? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Okay. R5 and M1, if I'm not mistaken. SD1. Or SD1. SD1. Sorry, pardon me. There's a motion to, there's a motion, everything he just said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that motion, is there any objection? Seeing none, that action shall be, uh, before we go there, because I did not call it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mr. Chair. Uh, uh, Vice Chair Durhall said 7.10 in the motion when the motion's for 7.11. Yeah, I was going to make that. Pardon me, I, I modified my motion 7.11 uh, to clarify. Well, to the clerk, uh, that motion that was moved should be for line items that member Vice Chair just moved should be for line item 7.11. 7.11. Um, I'm sorry, Mr. Chair. Yes, ma'am. Um, I'm not understanding when we do a public hearing for this, when we put the notice in the legal news, you're all supposed to notate and say R5 or SD1 as an option yes, for the property? Yes, ma'am. So I direct that into the legal news yes, when we notice the public hearing. Thank you, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. All right. That takes care of line item 7.11. Line item 7.12. Mr. Chair, excuse me. Dr. Powers? Uh, yes, you didn't actually call the vote. You stopped because there was a question. All right, sorry. That action shall be taken for line item 7.11. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Powers. Line item 7.12, submitting report and proposed ordinance uh, to amend Chapter 21, Article 2 of the 2019 Detroit City Code by adding Section 21-2-250 to establish the Crans Woods Sojourner Truth Homes Historic District and to define the elements of design for the district. Colleagues, is there a motion to discuss and or approve? Uh, I, I am familiar with it, uh, Mr. Chair. I don't know if there are any questions around it. Uh, if not... Uh, I would make a motion to send line item 7.12 to formal for the introduction and setting of a public hearing. I don't have any questions either. Uh, Member Johnson? Uh, but Dr. Chapman is here. Yes, thank you, uh, Mr. Chair. Um, just to kind of give a very, the most recent update as to what's going on with this proposed historic district, we were asked to attend um, last evening the Historic District Commission meeting to present the uh, proposed historic district they had a number of concerns in regards to the proposed designation. I think that your honorable body, they did um, send you um, the Arezzo um, this morning, so you should have gotten a copy of it. We have a board meeting this evening. It, I have just added it to our agenda um, in light of the concerns that were expressed at last evening's meeting. So I asked your honorable body, I, if, when we're setting the public, if we can 
um, we will probably be asking for an extension, and which will allow us time to take this back to our board to maybe address and, um, or to definitely address the concerns and um, questions that were brought up at last evening's meeting by the Historic District Commission and any questions and concerns that our board may have. So I asked your honorable body if we could bring this back in, um, in April um, to set the public hearing in April as opposed to um, prior to that. That would also allow us time to go out into the community once again to meet with the community folks who initially requested this proposed designation. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Just for clarity, because I'm sorry I was distracted yes. really quickly. So yes, you're, you're saying that it's okay, to, you're, you're fine with moving it forward, but setting the public hearing in April. Yes, there may be some changes to the final report. Um, based upon the um, the views and the, and the questions and concerns expressed by the historic district commission gotcha. so maybe we should just bring it back because that report that final report may change and i don't want us to bring it back um, and then have to ask again so um, if we could post um, delay the public hearing um, and that's why i asked for two months because that would give us enough afford us enough time to take care of all of the incidentals um, so, yeah, so if we can bring it back in April, that would be fine. Okay. <laughs> Thank no, you, Mr. Chair. No worries. Um, Member Vice Chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And so, uh, obviously, we send this, uh, and the date of the public hearing is not announced until it reaches formal. Uh, so, I guess to, for clarity, my question is, are you requesting that we bring this back before we send it to formal and set the date? Because we don't set the date today. We just send it to formal so the date can be set. Through the chair to Council Member Durhall, that is correct. I, I, I think that would probably be the wisest way to, to move forward with this, um, this particular uh, historic district. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Ms. Chapman. Uh, and with that, Mr. Chair, uh, I'd like to uh, make a motion to bring back line item 7.12, and I will say to be determined uh, relative to uh, what the agenda looks like in April, which you said, Mr. Chair. All right, thank you. There's a motion. Uh, to bring back line item 7.12 for a date to be determined in April. Any objections? Seeing none, that action shall be taken. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, sir. Mr. Clerk. Yes, ma'am. Clarification. But 7.12 is not going to the formal session right now. No, ma'am. It's just going to be brought back? Yes, ma'am. And a date to be determined? In April. Yes, ma'am. Okay, thank you, sir. You're welcome. Line item 7.13, submitting report relative to community health court. Uh, is there a motion to discuss? Oh, I'm sorry. This is Member Johnson's. Uh, is there a motion to discuss? So moved. Member Johnson. Thank you, Mr. Chair. We have received uh, a response from the community health court. Uh, we do have some additional questions, but um, I'd like to make a motion to receive and file. There's a motion to receive and file line item 7.13. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Yeah, I have a couple of questions as well on it too, but we're not going to get bogged down today on it. Uh, line items 7.14 through 7.19, colleagues, as well as 7.25. If we can take those together, please. Those are various uh, property sales. Um, and we have the individual before us that can address it. So, Congressman, motion to discuss line item 17.7.14 through 7.19, as well as 7.25. So moved. Thank you. All right. Um, Mr. Gulag, good afternoon. I think we have a, a gentleman by the name of Matt Langston that's going to be joining us as well. 
Oh, good afternoon, uh, Mr. Chair. Uh, Chris Kulak, CPC LPD staff. Good afternoon, uh, Mr. Langston. There he is. Yep. Good afternoon, uh, Mr. Chair. Um, Mac Attorney Matthew Langston um, on behalf of the Housing Revitalization Department. Been a while. Good to see you. Happy New Year. It has been a while. It's good to see you guys. Happy New Year. Yeah. So let's talk about these properties. Any questions, concerns uh, from CPC, first of all, regarding the properties, property sales, potential property sales located in line items 7.14 through 7.19, as well as 7.25? Well, thank you, uh, Mr. Chair. Yes, uh, LPD staff did review these. We submitted a background analysis of all the sales to the uh, uh, council members uh, this week. Um, we had no objections except for two of them. Um, one was 7.18 on Theodore. Um, oh, we, we just, okay, seven point, you said 7.18? Uh, correct, sir. Okay, gotcha. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so we, we had no objections except for two. Uh, 7.18 is on Theodore. Um, we recommend this one uh, be withdrawn in order for us to do additional research. Um, this is for a, a company to set up a, a dumpster they have a dumpster business, I believe, in Metro Detroit. They want to have a site in Detroit. I think they would rent out the dumpsters for recycling and uh, uh, gathering uh, trash. So uh, it, it includes uh, the parcel is not contiguous, so there's still some private lots between the two sites. So we just felt this one merited additional research. It is M4 intensive industrial. However, we just thought we should have uh, additional time to review this uh, request. Um, the second one is on Wyoming. Um, this one is zone B2, which is local commercial residential. This is for a construction um, uh, company. They want to do some outdoor storage, and the B2 currently does not allow that use, so we are recommending this one be withdrawn as well, so we have additional time to work with the building department to see if there's any way for the developer to legally establish that type of use on that section of Wyoming. Um, so that concludes our our feedback, but we can try to answer any questions. Okay. Uh, Mr. Langston, do you have any uh, comments on those items that uh, Mr. Gulak <laughs> indicated he had concerns about? One of them was a request, of course, to withdraw. Uh, yes. Yeah. So the first one that he mentioned uh, is a sale of 6355 uh, through 6427 Theodore to LMU LLC. LMU LLC, the owners also operate the MGM Container. I believe it's MGM Container Services. Uh, they are uh, a relatively large, well, I guess it would relatively uh, large uh, 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 dumpster company that uh, operates within the Metro Detroit area. Um, they're not specifically using LMU uh, as any type of, um, um, I guess, uh, parent company or anything like that. They actually operate both uh, contiguous or both um, both corporations together. Uh, one they use for the acquisition of land and the, the MGM Container Services is the actual uh, dumpster company. Uh, that was what, what uh, Mr. Gulak stated was correct. They do intend to uh, expand into uh, the east side of uh, Detroit. They actually, this is the second um, attempt that they've made at find, trying to find a group of parcels together uh, that are zoned M4 so that they may actually um, 
engage in the operations that they they would like to because of the nature of the the storage of the dumpsters and the. Yes, we're in overtime right now. We're okay. I got you. That the, uh, understood. Uh, the chair has been gracious enough to grant us with a few more minutes, um, but the question is, there was a request to withdraw this particular item. What's your response the, to that? Uh, we are okay with having this item withdrawn. I, I, there was a request for um, uh, further uh, site planning information from yep. from the developer. We have reached out to them. There, uh, I believe they're going to to provide that uh, shortly. Gotcha. Um, well, what about that? Inst- I'm going to cut you off, but again, we 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 got a motor through this overtime. What about the second item, sir? The second item, uh, we are also okay with withdrawing. And I actually misspoke. I would ask that the first item be simply pushed back rather than completely completely withdrawn, um, and, and request that uh, two weeks this item be recalled. But the second item uh, for the um, the sale of the properties on Wyoming, we are okay with having that uh, completely withdrawn to be resubmitted, uh, so that the purchaser may modify. Uh, their use of the properties okay. and the parcels to right. comply with the proper zoning. Thank you. Member Vice Chairs, is there a motion? Thank you, Mr. Chair. And first, I would like to make a motion to also discuss 7.20, the properties on Wyoming. We neglected to do that. Uh, and so the motion that I will be making relative to all of these is that we uh, first bring back line item 7.18 within two weeks. There's a motion to bring back line item 7.20, no, I'm sorry, 7.18 in two weeks. Any objections? Seeing none, that action shall be taken. My second motion, Mr. Chair, is that we withdraw line item 7.20. There's a motion to withdraw line item 7.20, but we, we had not discussed that one. So there's a motion to discuss line item 7.20. So, so moved. All right. There you go. Line item 7.20, move to withdraw. Line item 7.20, any objections? Seeing none, that action shall be taken. Member Vice Chair. And my final motion, Mr. Chair, is that we send a formal with the recommendation to approve line items 7.14, 7.15, 7.16, 7.17, and 17 point, or 7.19. There's a motion to approve and send a formal line item 17.14 through 17.19 minus 7.18. Any objections? Seeing none, that action shall be taken. Uh, what about line item 7.25? And I move to send a formal with a recommendation to approve line item 7.25. There's a motion to approve line item 7.25 and send a formal with a recommendation to approve. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Uh, colleagues, line item 7. Mr. Point- Chair. Mr. Chair. If I may. Dr. Powers, yes. Yeah, I mean, I know you're trying to get through here, but technically um, that one o'clock should be called and recessed to the call of the chair. He's trying to sneak it in. He was being nice to us. I know, I know. (laughs) Yes, please. I'm just advising. Dr. Powers. Yes, sir. Was, Was that directed to me? Dr. Powers, this is the uh, Chairman Young. What 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 do I say? Just say, oh, is... sir, uh, sir. All you have to do is call it to order and recess it to the call of the chair because it's well after one o'clock. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. But but first, sir, uh, the chair of PED has to recess oh, to the call right, of the chair. Ahead. 
I'd like to recess the Planning and Economic Development Standing Committee to the call of the chair. Hello, uh, this is uh, Colvin, you're the second chairman. I would like to wait. All right. We'd like to call recess at the call. This is called a recess of neighborhood you community. Sir, you have say to call it again. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Just Dr. Powell, just tell me what to say here. D a call to order uh, neighborhood and community services. All right. Call to order neighborhood and community services committee. And the clerk calls the roll. Clerk calls the roll. Councilmember Young, the second. Here. Councilmember Santiago Romero. No, she's Council not on the committee. It's uh, Member Benson, and it is Member Calloway, so Vice Chairman Calloway. I'm so sorry, sir. Sorry. Councilmember Benson. Councilmember Whitfield Calloway. Present. Mr. Chair, you do have a quorum. Hey, thank you. Yeah, I remember that part. Okay, uh, now, <laughs> Dr. Powers, now do I call recess now, right? Yeah, recess to the call of the chair, sir. Recess to the call of the chair. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to now call back to order the Planning and Economic Development Standing Committee. Will the clerk please call the roll? Council President Pro Tem Nate. Here. Council Member Gerald III. Present. Council Member Johnson. Present. Mr. Chair, you do have a quorum. Thank you. We have a quorum, which means we're now in session over in overtime, and this is not going to take us too long. Line item 7.21. Uh, colleagues, is there a motion to discuss line item 7.21, 7.22, uh, 7.23, and 7.24, please? So moved. All right. Line item 7.21. Let me just ask, any objections? No objections? All right. Are there any motions for those particular items? Thank you, Mr. Chair. Noting that uh, I've had a chance to review it, and I'm pretty sure members have as well, I'd like to take line items 7.21 to 7.23 and send a formal with a recommendation to approve. There's a motion to approve line items 7.23 through 7.21, excuse me, 7.21 through 7.23. Seeing no objections, that action shall, those actions shall be taken. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And I'd further like to make a motion to receive and file line item 7.24. There's a motion to receive and file a very important item that's very important to me, line item 7.24, which I um, support uh, strongly. A motion to receive and file line item 7.24. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Uh, line item 7.26. Uh, Council President Mary Sheffield submitting memorandum relative to resolution urging the adoption of the local rent control. Um, we're excited about this one. Uh, we did, uh, I'm sorry, there's there a motion to refer this particular item to Legislative Policy Division and bring back in two weeks? So moved. Seeing no objection, we shall refer line item 7.26 to LPD and bring back in two weeks. All right, that takes us to the end of the agenda. Colleagues, is there a motion to suspend member report? So moved. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. And thank you all for your patience. We appreciate it. We are out. This meeting is adjourned. <laughs>